sometimes you say like this is in my wheelhouse or Dingus's wheelhouse. Do you have any? Do you want to like lead in with any information about this one, or just drop us in? Uh, if I say it's a spoiler, okay. If that, you know by, who's... That, right. By the way, that right there is a clue. Yeah. Shit. Well, I had to answer your question somehow, and I thought cunningly, but instead I did. I did that. Six in the morning in Germany. Since All right, well, hit, hit us with it. What do you got? Should there be a countdown? Is it that exciting? No, it's countdown. not. This isn't Letterman's top ten or anything. No, I meant to to the beginning of the reading of the thing. Like, but get your brain ready. ready. Five, four, three, two, one. Kelly, one. Blast off. Since a road accident left him with serious facial and bodily scarring. Uh, the man with no face. No, the mask. The Mel Gibson thing where he's scarred. Ma- face mask. Mask. The man with no face. Yeah, is that right? Something like that. Am I close? That's not from a road accident. The Mel Gibson. I, one. I haven't seen it. You saw it. Ha ha. No, I just assume. <laughs> it doesn't sound true. Can't be right. He wouldn't get that. Wouldn't do that to your face. A road accident where you look burned. <laughs> Well, I guess so, maybe. All right, it's a good point, Tom. All right, no, but that's not the It sounds like apparently, even though it's a good point, I'm wrong. Can I guess? Yeah. Dingus, you just jump in. This is chaos. This is anarchy, like a certain movie we're about to talk about. I like about. how Dingus uh, asks if he can guess. Right. Dingus wouldn't last ten minutes in a high-rise. He'd buzz in at Jeopardy and then ask, can I guess? <laughs> I'm going to guess Corvette Summer. Oh, good guess. Such poor taste, though. Wow, Ding is so mean. Wait, that wouldn't do that to your face either if you drove a Corvette in summer. Uh, a former TV scientist has become obsessed by wait, the wait, marriage. Wait, TV, hold on, hold on. TV scientist? Yeah. Man, Ding is, I feel like that should be a big clue. I've I didn't write this either. I'm only reading it aloud. Like, is he, does he study TV? Obviously not. Like, he's a scientist on TV. All right. He used to be. He's an erstwhile TV scientist. It doesn't say erstwhile. No, I just like to say okay. it. There's always, okay. If there's I, a no, reason I, to say erstwhile, you get to say it. I love that word as well. When I uh, am what? sending out emails, like correspondence, official correspondence, I have at the bottom, like, my credits, like, the name of my site and how to contact me on Twitter and all that stupid stuff. And then I, I have a erstwhile contributor, and I list the publications I've written for. And I will regularly get people responding to me saying, oh, I see you write for such and such. Maybe you can pitch a story to them. It's people who don't understand what the word erstwhile means. Wait, how do they say it? Well, they just assume – Like what's the context they use? It says in my SIG at the end of an email where Uh you just automatically attach a signature, it says erstwhile contributor, and then it lists places like like GameSpot. I I wrote wrote an article for Wired once, so it has that there, Yahoo. So people get that, and they're PR people. And they'll write me back, and they'll say, "Oh, we'd love for you to get some coverage for this on Yahoo, or on, you know." Oh, they okay. So they, they don't know what erstwhile means. They assume yeah. it doesn't have a meaning. Instead right, of just looking just figure, it up, yeah. Right. They figure maybe it means enthusiastic or, or something like that. Oh, he writes for erstwhile publications. <laughs> right. He must right. be really good. Yeah, I do erstwhile contributions. It sounds like a compliment. Right. I'm an erstwhile genius. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm an erstwhile infant. <laughs> Uh, I'm an All right, so we, we derailed you. I, I apologize for that. Uh, I'm an erstwhile baby. Kellyanne, you just made the same joke I made with a different word. That's what they did. The PR people. I'm an erstwhile embryo. And then Dingus just just raised the stakes. 
A former TV scientist has become obsessed by the marriage of motor car technology with what crash, he's... Crash, crash, yeah, crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See? Oh, another J.G. Ballard. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't even think he was being topical. Thing. Or did you yeah. think I meant the uh, best picture of the year crash? Over broke back. Crash. Yeah, I, the Paul Haggis over. I'll take uh, the, the J.G. Ballard over the Paul Haggis any day. Haggis is an appropriate name. Ugh, who wants Haggis? Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's a bag of Haggis. Baggis. All right. Yeah. So uh, I prevailed in this particular sport. Good work. Event. Thank you. Probably too Thanks. too easy. Dingus didn't sound like he wanted it. Well, it's definitely in my wheelhouse. I don't think Dingus mm-hmm. is a get it. Cron- He's got a Cronenberg. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> Kevin, of course I got it. That's why I said it that way. Cars uh, don't have wheelhouses. That's not what that means. <laughs> they erstwhile did. Uh, all right. Dingus, Oof. let's get <laughs> God. As someone who is not a Cronenberg completionist, why don't you tell the listeners what movie we saw this week? All right. Well, this week we saw High Rise. Mm-hmm. It's High Dash Rise. It is. Huh. A 2016 British drama movie about what happens when you go crazy and punch a higher floor. It was directed by Ben Wheatley and written by Amy Jump, based on the novel of the same name by J.G. Ballard. It stars Tom Hiddleston, Elizabeth Moss, Sienna Miller, Louis Sook, and Kai as Digby the Dog. <laughs> the dog had a name. I had no idea. Well, which dog? Well, okay. Digby was a 70s dog that was uh, gigantic, though. So maybe that's a 70s reference. Or he's in the book. High Rise is rated R. Oh, yeah. For violence, disturbing images, strong sexual content slash graphic nudity, language, and some drug use. Kelly, are you okay with that? Do you feel like they missed anything? It sounds pretty comprehensive to me. Uh, I would add swimming pool mischief, some <laughs> allegory, and a horse. <laughs> Some allegory. <laughs> but I'm not, you know, I'm not an elected official like the MPAA. So. Uh, High Rise was released initially as a video on demand release here in the States. Mm. Uh, it'll have a theatrical release later in the month. So we don't know how it'll, how it'll do at the box office. I, I don't have very high hopes for it. Get it? Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive, it's at 70%. Hmm. Now, Metacritic rates uh, the average from various reviews. Uh, it is currently at 67 on Metacritic. Uh, hmm. Too off. T O O off or T W O off? Because uh, you're the mad. latter, the erstwhile. <laughs> All right, Kelly Wand, give us. Uh, this is the moment I've been waiting for. Give us the <laughs> a moment. Hyropsis, which would be what oh. one would call a synopsis of High Rise. No, that's it. You got it. Thank you very much. Thank very you. impressive. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Kind of a softball, but you know, shit. <laughs> uh, Hyropsis. Loki's an X-ray surgeon. He lives in a building Alfred made. He notices a dog, so he eats its leg. Some words are all two hours of screen time earlier. Loki moves into the building. There might be voiceover of him saying so. I can't remember. Since he's merely a humble gynecologist, he lives on floor 69. The losers live on floors 1 to 30. 
Living on floor 28 with the plumbers launderers is considered a minor disgrace, but living on floor 51 with the Afflecks is considered a major adequacy. I lean over to Bruce Willis sitting beside me, nod at the establishing shot of the high-rise, and go, You really don't see why you jumping off the exploding roof of that is more exciting to us than just watching you drive a truck over some Russians? Still? (laughs) One day, Loki's engaged in that iconic London pastime known as sunbathing, when the couple who lives above (laughs) us... When the couple who lives above him throw a drink or flower pot at his face and almost kill him, so they become creepy friends. The husband of the group has a mustache. He's always annoyed about something, so he's a documentarian. Since his job's filming stuff that's already happening, he'd normally live on floor 37, but his wife's pregnant, so now they're stuck on 16. If class systems are always math-based, shouldn't mathematicians always comprise the top 1%? (laughs) I lean over to the loser sitting in non-loge next to me and go, I think I know what floor podcasters would live on, the Earth's core, which if you think about it, wouldn't be the worst view ever, because oceans are considered desirable vistas, and this is an ocean of lava, which is even rarer, although I guess it'd be kind of dark, so shh. Loki gets irritated at one of his students for fainting during skull peeling practice, so to both get him back and improve his mental health, he jokingly tells the guy he has a brain tumor. But the guy counter gets him back by doing a swan dive onto Loki's car hood. (laughs) I look over at the guy beside me again and go, now it's like the hood has a brain tumor. There's a supermarket. While he's grabbing a jar of imported eggshells, a famous actress asks him for his autograph, then walks off, her heels clicking imperiously. He asks someone else what she's famous from being in, and they're all, uh... Shit, there's two actresses named Sienna in this? How often does that happen? I think this one was in the second Resident Evil movie, and probably the rest of them. The studio and Paul Thomas Anderson had decided that the series was still in need of a Mila Jovovich-type character. So then Anderson called whoever directs those and told him, and that guy agreed. Loki nods absently. Loki hits on one of the Siennas by making her wall-mounted coffee machine shoot sparks and never work again. Or as he calls it, inoperable. I look over at the now-empty seat beside me and go, Talk about a cup of blow. Loki goes back in time to the 1700s, but commits the anachronistic faux pas of bringing a bottle of wine instead of a powdered wig, so he's ridiculed and leaves eventually. Interestingly, the bottoms of bottles of wine are concave, which makes it seem like they're supposed to be worn on your head. The mustached man gets upset because he wasn't invited to a pool party, so he takes some kids to it to watch him kill a dog. (laughs) Since he's the main character of the movie, Loki's invited to play squash with Alfred. It ends in a draw, so he's invited to the roof to watch Alfred's wife ride a horse. That also goes well, so he's not invited back. Since everything in the building's breaking down, the supermarket's out of food for no reason, so the residents decide not to leave anymore. Mustache is all. I have half a mind to make a movie about how no Bobby showed up after that blimey blow bled all over that bloody beamer. It would break box office records if Bob's your uncle can't save the carpet. Loki starts dating the pregnant lady. More the merrier. <laughs> <laughs> Things start to get weird. 
<laughs> One guy says they should beat up the mustache guy so they can raid the supermarket. As they do so, he films them with, with his camera and goes, I'm filming you doing this as it fail. Oof, uh, all right. Can one of you hold the camera for a second? I want to get a reaction shot in the spine. Instead of finishing his movie, Mustache decides to kill Alfred with a gun so order can be restored. Alfred's women avenge him with the one weapon Mustaches have no answer for. Scissors. <coughs> the film ends as it began, with me wondering what the movie High Rise is about. <laughs> <laughs> While the kid smokes a pipe and listens to an old recording of Rosie O'Donnell exhorting youths to fight harder in Vietnam. I look over at Frank Lloyd Wright sitting beside me and go, if they x-rayed the inside of my skull, they wouldn't find anything. The end. <laughs> I kind of punted. And so, Kelly Warren, you saw this instead of Green Room. Yeah, I know. I, know. I didn't, well, you know... I didn't know the green room. I didn't know what green room was. I'm dumb. Right. Also, it was a double. We probably didn't know. My, I mean, you, 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 Ben Wheatley for you and I at least, uh, and maybe Dingus was a known quantity. So you're like, yeah, I want to check out this guy's next. And movie, it's a right? book I meant to read, so I should do, see. The do you movie. know a lot as our source material expert usually? And Dingus, I'm assuming you haven't read. Like J.G. Ballard doesn't seem like the sort of thing you would have read. Is that right? No, I didn't read him. I mean, I read. Uh, what was uh, what did he do? Um, did he do uh, Empire, of the, Empire of the Sun? Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. Is he Empire of the Sun? Yes, he is. Yeah, I, you I wrote think the that's... script for Empire of the Sun. No, I wrote the novel. No, no, the novel. I think oh. that's the only novel of his I've read. Did he do Billy Bathgate? He didn't. No, I don't think so. No, all right. That can't be uh, true. There's I mean, no fucking way. Is this right? So maybe it was just Empire then. So you. You have you've read you have read some J.G. Ballard then all right I've yeah. read I've read uh, the Crystal World where the world becomes all crystal and it's right. like an apocalypse novel and I read Concrete Island instead of High Rise it was a choice between them and it's like about a guy who gets <laughs> stuck in the middle of a freeway Concrete Island and just gets stranded there so I've read Drowned World so oh, wait how is that uh, I didn't remember I, I don't think yeah. I, I might have been too young like it didn't make much of an impression on me and it wasn't what I was expecting and. It wasn't. Uh, yeah. At the time, I just thought, you know, J.G. Ballard's weird, as, as, yeah. you, as you might deduce from this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, That's... All right. So that we, we all have limited been familiarity with J.G. Ballard. I, I would be really curious how much of this is Ben Wheatley and his wife's script and how much of this is, is straight out of the novel. So we don't know. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I should. No, that's okay. That's okay. I, in a way, it doesn't matter, uh, right? As someone who believes, you know, never mind source material, let's deal with what's on the screen. But I am um, curious, right? Like you are, well. and I wish I still really want to read the book, like even more. Right. No, this wouldn't affect my. It doesn't affect you know what I feel about the movie, which is based on what the movie is, and not necessarily what right, right, right. Wrote. Uh, uh, right, right, right. So that said, Dingus, you implied before we recorded uh, that you uh, were uh, I don't know about unhappy or mad, or are you implied that you might react a certain way that implied anger as we talked about this movie? Could you elaborate? <laughs> How did I imply that? I don't. He remember. said he was gonna be shouting, but maybe he'd be shouting with enthusiasm. Ah, right. Good point. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I wanted to murder this movie, <laughs> which is appropriate, isn't it? That's I'm, why we wanted I'm to so, do it. Kind I'm of. I'm so mad, and all I could think of was that Kelly Wand, and this isn't your fault, Kelly. Uh, I understand uh, that. It's like he had the opportunity to see Green Room 
we could be talking about Green Room right now, and instead I have to talk about this movie that I want it to murder. And it's one of these movies where I got 50 minutes in, and I looked at the time, and I'm like, I've got another hour and 10 minutes of this crap? I mean, honestly, this is just such total it's longer absolute than political ridiculous tripe. I didn't realize that it was a J.G. Ballard when I was watching it. I mean, I missed that opening credit, I guess. But it just feels like such a, like, uh, this is economic disparity, and we're doing a thing about it, and we're going to, hey, we're going to tell you it's Marie Antoinette. Here's some, we're going to actually say the word cake. We're going to actually have them. I mean, it just it couldn't be more obvious and just pandering. I hated this movie so much. I wanted to murder it. Ugh. So carry on, not a dingus movie. Well, that's why that was one of the the um, virtues of seeing it, though, is we get to hear see dingus. how, how it's making it. Yeah, see right. if we're right because because he, he likes the witch, right? Oh yeah, yeah, no, dingus has. Oh, yeah, I, I, I could have told you. By the way, going into this before I saw it, I could have told you this is not a dingus movie. Dingus, real quick, did I make? Well, I could, well, how could you have told me that? Uh, based on a basically based on uh, Ben Wheatley's other movies. Did I ever make you watch Kill List? No, no, but I okay. loved. I Sightseers loved is the Ben Wheatley movie. I would say Sightseers is Alice Lowe and Steve Orams. Those are characters they've been working on for years. Uh, I think they basically hired Ben Wheatley and Amy Jump to oh. set up the camera for them. I mean, Sightseers. Amy is Jump so- did a lot of his editing. She like. I think she's credited. She's editor. They some editor. like they they both. Uh, well, she's credited solely for the script for. This, I believe. Yeah, 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 but not for Sightseers. Right, Sightseers but, but, wound up on my uh, list that year. I mean, she, I love Sightseers. Are you sure she's not credited? I think she is credited for the writing in Sightseers. Oh, uh, well, I, when I looked up her credits, it was like some writing. Right, full writing because – you had been like editing and then she said, I think I should do some writing. No, no, no. Ben Wheatley, so she's Ben Wheatley's wife. Uh, they they oh, okay. on all their movies. She often gets a writing credit. He gets a directing credit. Uh, they both edit together. Um so they're kind of a package deal, I, I figure. Uh, but but Sightseers is the least Ben Wheatley, Ben Wheatley movie because I think it mainly is him just capturing this brilliant work that Steve Orham and Alice Lowe have done. Uh, wow. So and, and I'm just kind of being facetious when I say this, but I think Dingus, you haven't seen a Ben Wheatley movie, and I think they're not for you uh, because <laughs> Kill List I think would drive you bonkers. You would hate Kill List. You would hate the resolution of it. I don't imagine anyone likes a field in England. I can't imagine that. That makes me about as mad as this makes you. Like, that's just nonsense. Uh, <laughs> and, and Down Terrace, his first movie was just a straight-up uh, British crime thriller, which I, I haven't even seen. Um, so, Dingus, welcome to Ben Wheatley. <laughs> I kind of like Field in England. You know, I would, ex- I would expect you might, Kelly. Yeah, Warren. well, uh, I like this, too. Although I think it's oh, I did, too. I did, too. Yeah, yeah. I think this is hugely uneven, but I ended yeah. up... Uh, I mean, I have serious problems with it, and... Some of them are in line with what. Oh, Dingus you guys is. liked this thing? Yeah, yes. Yeah, quite a bit. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's okay. Really... Good. Then you guys can talk about it because. No, 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 no. You're not excused. You don't get to leave the podcast. You are going to sit here and talk about it with us, Dingus. Uh, but I agree. It's really <laughs> uneven. Uh, I, I think Wheatley is channeling uh, basically Kubrick and Cronenberg without mm-hmm. really understanding what made them great. I right. Smart. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Three. Uh, I think that he uh, doesn't quite know how to tie together the story he's telling. I think he, he, he bit off a little bit more than he could chew. It feels very unfocused at times. At times it just feels like a series of vignettes that don't really make much mm-hmm. sense when you put them together. Uh, but I think there's a lot of really bold stuff in it. 
I think some of the dialogue is just whip smart. Oh my God, what a beautiful piece of writing Mm -hmm. in, you know, 20 words. Uh, I loved how committed the cast was to what he was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, the production design and music. Uh, Did you know, Dingus, it was a Clint Mansell soundtrack? I had no idea. Yeah, most of it seems to be like a lot of like found not found music. I mean, it seems to be SOS has to be done twice so we get the joke. Um, well, there's and, a lot. Of, and, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No. Well, there's. A, I think he does a lot. Like, and I wish they hadn't done this. They just throw in like a lot of Mozart to represent. This is the high class, which uh, I just right. felt like an easy way right. out. And I'd rather have used some of Clint Mansell's stuff. There, there are bits in here that are straight up requiem for a dream beats. It's sort of like uh, yeah. this is a composer. I guess a lot of composers do this, where they reuse sort of the B-side material of stuff they've done before. Um, mm. So there were times in this I was like, well, that's just Requiem for a Dream he's, he's doing. Uh, right. But overall, like, I like how uh, kind of it, it was just really... It's alive. Uh, it's, it's, it's alive. The, the, it's, it's sort of adorned with music, I would think. Like, the music is hung on it like garish jewelry. Uh, and I think it's kind of intentional. Um and that SOS bit, that Portis, that Portishead cover of SOS, that whole sequence, that was basically where I was like, okay, well, whatever's going on in this movie, at least we've got that right there. <laughs> like, if, like, like that little bit, that turning point, the fact that he's using that Portishead song, the shots in that sequence, um, I just thought were, were just distilled brilliance. Uh, and the rest of the movie was hugely messy and parts of it yeah. didn't work. Uh, it's very issues laden. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, Chris Markinson totally agrees with you about that Portishead thing. And that's not something I even. I mean, all I knew was that we had the the um, the quartet doing the SOS song, and then they had to call it back to let us know, okay, this is the song that we were doing. In case you were wondering what the song was, but Chris Markinson totally agrees with you. He he thought that each piece of music used for the movie was just right, and that's a, that's a quote from him. Yeah, well, he, they- he's totally with you on that. And I think they got their mileage out of whatever licensing rights they paid for, for SOS. Yeah. Oh, good lord. I, I found that so... Oh. <laughs> what? Anyway, go ahead. You didn't like it? No, no. I mean, if you're if you're going to do the... The, 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 the dudes doing the... The guys doing the... Um, the, uh, the string quartet of it. Okay, I got the joke. Great. We're, in, we're doing a 70s movie. We've got an ABBA song. Great. And now they have to do it again later in the movie just to let you know... This is what the song was. We're Dingus. just letting you know this is what the yeah, song I think, was. I think it's more in case like you didn't th- pick it up. This is what the song was. Dingus. I didn't, oh God, I was like, fuck off. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, I didn't pick up because I didn't know. Uh, like, I knew that it was a familiar song, and I'm like this with a lot of music. If you just play the instrumental bit for me, I'll know. Like, oh, that sounds familiar, but what is it? So for me, I didn't realize it was SOS until the Portis right. head started. And even when the Portis head was starting, I was like, wait, what is that? What is that song? Uh, and, and it only I only caught on later. I'm slow with that kind of thing, though. Right. So, yeah. um, I thought it was Jeremy. I don't know what that is. <laughs> you Bro thought Jam? it was Jeremy? <laughs> oh, 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 right, right. <laughs> Dingus paying exorbitant rent turns you into Caligula. I don't think you understand. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Hiddleston was really good. The no, dialogue's super good. Uh, it kind of. Yeah. Oh God! I hope you guys will tell me what the dialogue that you liked was. Oh my God! So I, this, this was, I was so eye rolling. Yeah, I was so much of this. I was just like, really that's good writing, bad writing. Yeah, this is the thing. Everything was good writing. Like uh, I, there were parts of the, the the direction, the storytelling, the narrative that were weak. 
but everything was decent writing, and the, the good writing that was really good, I thought was brilliant. And Dingus, here's a few lines for you. Um, and some of it, I have to say, uh, and this might sound insulting, and I, well, like some of the brilliance was just like really kind of quiet, subtle brilliance. Yeah. Uh, okay, you can insult me. I don't mind. I don't mean it's an insult thing. It's, I'm just saying, like, if you're not really invested in what the movie's doing, if you're already you, hating it, right, right, you might not be. Uh, you you might not sort of appreciate. I think what some of the lines are doing. For instance, thing is, let me just give you this. Uh, do you think there, there's a point where someone says, "Are you sure you're a doctor?" And he says, "Of course I am." That right there, that's just an exchange. <laughs> right. But, and it ends with, "What else would I be?" I think that right there is just brilliant. <laughs> it's a it's a quotidian exchange. But to end with that, what else would I be? I, that just blew me away. As just, and I don't. I want to know: is that Ballard or is that Wheatley and Jump? I, uh, I don't know who wrote that. Whoever wrote it, I thought that was brilliant. Well, I mean, I would agree that there's a couple of moments like that. There's, is that your sister? And he says, probably. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I love that moment, <laughs> and I also loved uh, what what's in all these boxes anyway. And when he says to himself, "Sex and paranoia." I mean, I I did like that. I mean, I liked what a lot of Tom Hiddleston was doing, and I did like some of that. Um, dialogue that was going on, but there was a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of this eye-rolling stuff for me. Uh, that's, what, that's what growing up is. Made me want to punch myself in the face. thing is, some people have bartered their wives for food on the other floors. I'm not that hungry. I'm not that hungry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Keep, keep the change. There isn't any. <laughs> Would you like an autograph? Actually, I was looking for Riesling. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, when I was your age, I was always covered in something. Mud, jam, failure. Oh, God, that made me want to scream. That is a horrible line. That is horrible writing. And that whole scene, by the way, him eating cake with Toby, uh, I loved that scene. Oh, let's that, right there was cake. one of my favorite scenes. Honestly, that they actually said the word cake, that she actually, that the wife actually said cake. I mean, honestly, we get the Marita Antoinette stuff. Mm. Guys, come on. I mean, uh, cake, uh, ugh. Okay, uh, so but when they show like even the the and this is such a little production detail moment, there's a tight shot of him cutting the cake, and he's cutting a couple pieces of it, and I don't know if this is intentional. He's cutting it in fourths. If this is intentional or it just happened, but the fact that after he's cut it, the balance for the little cake tray doesn't work and it starts to fall <laughs> over, and he just lets it, he lets it tip over, and then he bites into it. He just picks it up and he's sitting there looking at Toby, and I love their little exchange. I loved that moment, um, and. Part of it is just because Hiddleston is just – when someone says uh, you're an excellent specimen, I was like, oh my god, he is. And not just for how attractive he is, but just how like self-assured and and just alive and present he is. The guy is an amazing (laughs) – and the thing is I thought of us – not even Jim Jarmusch could – well, actually, Jim Jarmusch did make watching him and Tilda Swinton a little boring, but – yeah, I, I Tom Hiddleston is just amazing to me, and I would think mm-hmm. did that not work for you, Dingus? Oh no, no, I I loved him. That whole sequence where the the where Sienna Miller drops the bottle of wine, and he just he's just dealing with the fact that he's naked and talking to her as if they're in a social interaction, and then the interaction at the party where the, where the guy's like, I'm an I'm an orthodontist, not a homosexual, and his oh response God. is, good for you, and then he's like. <laughs> Diggis, you're just reminding me of great lines. Yeah, Diggis is grudgingly admitting. (laughs) No, no, no. I mean, he handles those things very, very well. I absolutely agree. And here's why why that especially was was, uh, important to me in this movie. Like, he is so, like, almost freakishly perfect. Um, Yeah. And you might look at this movie and think, oh, it's kind of like Brazil. And, you know, Brazil is Jonathan Price as an everyman. Um, 
basically navigating this absurd dystopia. What this and this is similar, by the way, someone navigating an absurd dystopia and ultimately being being destroyed by it. But this is whereas Jonathan Price is an everyman. This is this Adonis, this this freakishly perfect guy who becomes increasingly dissociative over the, the course of the movie until he's finally narrating himself in third person. Like it, it's the destruction of the ideal man by this chaos and anarchy and social unrest. Mm, okay. uh, so that as a as, as a character arc, uh, I, I thought was hugely compelling, and I thought Tom Hiddleston was perfect for. Um, he had that coldness. And just this kind of like efficiency and just uh, like every, he's just so meticulous as an actor. Um, he's the, yeah, so that, that that's a lot of what worked for me is Tom Hiddleston. And I would be curious, too, if the novel – if he's just one of several characters. And I, I kind of suspect, and maybe this is where uh, Ben Wheatley and Amy Jump's script got a little confused. Like, is the high, novel high-rise just about all of them, and did they feel the need to highlight a protagonist? Um, because if so, that would kind of explain why it just felt so disjointed at times. I don't know, because he has connections to all of them, but maybe that was their invention. You're right. Right, right. Yeah. Well, they're all kind of connected to each other, ultimately, and that's he, kind of the heavy-handed – uh, allegory. But maybe he's the narrator. It's kind of dumb. I should have read it. Well, he is the narrator in the movie. But, yeah, but, yeah. Weird, right. but, but he refers to himself in the third person, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah and that's yeah. dissociative. So, so, so yeah. dissociative disorder is where you experience something yeah. traumatic and you literally don't identify yourself with those events. You're looking at yourself from the outside. It's psychological disorder. And that's sort of what happens over the course of the movie is he ends up narrating it in third person. Uh, and it doesn't begin that way. You know, it, well, it opens with. Uh, I think he does. I think it does. No, it opens with refers him. to himself as Lang. Right, but it, it eventually he's he ends up like talking that way to, not Cosgrove, like one of the oh. other out loud, and you realize he's you know he's this is how he's talking, like this is what he has become, uh, where he's completely dissociated from himself. Uh, so okay. I don't I don't think it's necessarily a hey we need a narrator. I think the fact that he's narrating is kind of a plot point. It's kind of the end of the character arc in a way. Um, and I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into this. Uh, well, I don't think you are. I mean, I think that makes sense because of the whole, and the, you know, the, this is, you know, this will feed directly into what I chose as my over, which doesn't have anything to do with the, um, well, I don't know if it doesn't have anything to do with the theme of this movie, but it's that whole, uh, when we have that whole opening sequence, um, which was fascinating to me because it's, it's very much, I'm leaning forward into the movie and thinking, okay, what is this movie? What is this? I have no idea what this is. Um, and then it's three months earlier. Uh, and I immediately went to the movie, the crazies in my head, because that is a movie that does that, did that thing that I can't stand that. Okay. Now we're going to go two days earlier, 48 hours earlier, one week earlier, whatever. And Crazies was the, that movie that really fulfilled that for me, that really made me think, okay, how did we get to this point where the town's on fire? Okay, I'm really interested how we got to this point. And so this movie did the same thing. It did three months earlier, and, and I was, okay, how did we get to this point? But it took so freaking long to get to that point, and I got so interested because of the whole, okay, we're clearly making political statements about capitalism, which then we put a giant – exclamation point with the Margaret Thatcher stuff at the end that that whole three months earlier thing was lost on me and I, I actually liked the crazies more than this even though they aren't really related 
So also, I think what uh, unites in Dingus, I find this an interesting over, uh, you have man crushes on both Timothy Oliphant and Tom Hiddleston, admitted. Oh, yeah, I'm not, I have no problem admitting that. In All right, profile? so I'm going to assume whatever your under is, Dingus, you have a man crush on whoever the lead is in your under. Don't tell us who it is yet. Hold that thought. Uh, what I did with my over-under were, uh, wait, let me find it in my notes, it was uneven movies with absurd uh, uh, dystopias and amazing casts. Mm. Uh, and my over, uh, let me give you my under first. Uh, my under is Map to the Stars. And I bracketed ah. pretty closely, by the way, because I liked oh. Map to the Stars, even though also very uneven. And it's a script from Bruce Wagner, who did a, a dystopia a TV series called Wild Palms uh, about L.A. and dystopia. And Map to the Stars is very much in keeping with what he did with his Wild, Wild Palms script. Uh, so I feel because Bruce Wagner is very much about L.A. and, and dystopias of it, the, the dystopia of modern-day L.A., and because Map to the Stars is Cronenberg, uh, because it has an amazing cast, because parts of it really miss, uh, because parts of it feel really clunky and heavy-handed uh, – and because I liked it in spite of those things, my under would be mapped to the stars. There's other reasons. Hmm. Uh, there's also no main character, kind of, really. Or it's just in, in mapped to the stars? Yeah. You know, you're, you're right, Kelly. I mean, as, as the movie unfolds, you're right. But ultimately, if you remember, it becomes like Mia Vasikowska and I forget who played her brother. Not Anton uh, Yeltsin. Who was, but anyway, it becomes about those two. Like they, they emerge as the main characters, kind of. It's also uh, like in that I like it, but I don't know who I'd recommend it to. Exactly. Yep. You know, and I feel the same way about this. High Rise. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure who I would recommend High Rise yeah. to. I was laughing a lot during High Rise, and the rest of the theater was dead silent. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, give us your over or under. My over is La Dolce Vita. Whoa! Okay. Well, I mean, I can see. I can totally see why you're doing that. Yeah. It's like a guy disintegrating into debauchery kind of movie, and being a product of his times. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, I like that one a lot. Um, and then my. I, I want to. Oh, yeah. go ahead. No, you go. Uh, I want to talk, Dingus, about the political point. Uh, I felt like ending with that Thatcher bit was like Steven Spielberg ending Munich with a shot of the Twin Towers. Yeah. I was so like, yeah. oh my god, dude, you're undercutting every cool thing yeah. you just did by by trying to relate this to, to Thatcherism. Uh, because I realize, and you see this all over the place, so many Brits are still butthurt about Thatcherism. I mean, that, that's like such a legacy for liberal Brits. And I, I'm kind of like, you know what, get over it. It's over. Uh, you lived through it. It actually improved your country. Chill out and quit making people – quit portraying Thatcherism as They need a new Thatcher. Uh, I, I mean the malaise that the UK was in in the 60s and actually a lot of the world. Uh, my favorite actually movie about Thatcherism, uh, With Nail and I, because With Nail and I <laughs> is not about Thatcherism. It's about having to leave the, the innocence and the abandonment and just the, the, the casual – we, whatever's happening, of the 60s and having to wake up and deal with the responsibility of what you've created in Thatcherism. It, it, it's about that waking up and that transition. Whitnell's eyes about the loss of the 60s and the, the early 70s and having to move into this period of 
you know, financial difficulties and cuts in social spending and education and deregulating markets and privatizing industries, like all this like hangover of the 60s that Thatcher had to clean up. And Whitman and I isn't an opinion about that. It's just a story about two guys. It's kind of an allegory about that. Right, right. Um, and, and here, you know, I don't think – so J.G. Ballard published this before Thatcher was even elected. So I know J.G. Ballard did not write a novel about Thatcherism. He wrote a novel, I'm assuming, that's basically a deeply cynical, to-the-core, misanthropic view of humanity. You know, this, this idea that humanity is just going to revert, revert to savagery. Uh, and for Ben Wheatley to then end that, to basically film a <laughs> faithful adaptation of it, and to then end that with the kid who has looked into the future with a kaleidoscope listening to Thatcher basically announcing the core of her political philosophy. This is not a movie about capitalism. This is not a movie about Thatcher's comment where the state can't be involved in capitalism. This is not a movie about her justifying free markets. This is a movie about human nature. And I just feel like Ben Wheatley and Amy Jump, to end with that Thatcher bit, yeah. that was just so leaden. Now they're and, dating and, it. And misguided. Well, and I'm fine with them dating it, by the way, because, you know, it's like England was coming out of this, this, this drunk high of the 60s and having to move in the responsibility of the 70s. I like that this was very specifically a movie set, I guess, in 1975. But then why is the kid listening to Thatcher? Because, because I think they're trying to make a point about modern economic disparity. I think it's it's a, an obvious point, It's it, and it just clunks. And I, don't even I, think, think I think they're absolutely trying to make a point about modern economic disparity. I don't, I don't even think you have to put modern in there, Dingus. It's just a general observation about yeah. social strata and, uh, and and the brutality of human nature. Uh, but I think it's it's trying to make a political point right now. I mean, I think that's what they're trying to do. See, you say that, but I don't know. I don't know how it's modern, and I don't know how this idea that people are still butthurt about Thatcher. I don't know how that's modern, and that's part, no. of, my, that's part of my problem with it. Is he takes a kind of, he takes a kind of a timeless story, and then he ends it by saying, "And by the way, this is about Thatcher." I'm sorry, I cut you off. So go, you know, you're right. I mean, I, I think you're right about that. Um, but I, but what I kept hearing was the the modern, the modern liberal view about how uh, economic disparity has changed so much globally, and you know, we do hear about it all the time in modern politics about how more and more the wealth has been squunched up into the upper one percent or point 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 one percent whatever and everybody else has to deal with everything else and that's what the lower floors and the upper floors are about and i think they're trying to make sort of a sophomore point about that and they tack on the margaret thatcher thing because of the period piece i mean which which makes me feel more like i mean i really i, I like the the link that you make tom for me it just made me think at the end of Psycho, and like, let me just really quickly explain what the movie was about for you. Oh, oh. <laughs> right, for the, and, and the people and, in the cheap seats who didn't get it, right? Yeah, and, and, the and I had already departed. gotten that feeling with with the stabbing sequence, with the kaleido kaleidoscope stabbing sequence. Oh, Psycho! Thinking, is Ben Whitley think he's making his Psycho moment? Right, what, right. What's going on right here? And then he did that. Like, by the way, this is what my movie is about, which drove me nuts. I have a theory that when they do the kaleidoscope thing, it's because they're trying to not show the knifing, and it's like when they do black and white. No, come on. This movie was not shy about that sort of thing. Uh, I, don't. I don't know. There's not much on-screen violence. Just uh, Is that true? I mean, mm. there uh, maybe it's just from having seen Green Room that I'm covered, but I, I everybody looks brutal. I mean, there's a huge rape scene, but I guess you don't see it. Right. Everybody 
bloody and bloody and bloody. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I falls under the car. Which, was, which, when I saw the guy fall under the car, it was like Tom had this three by three that was horrific falls. Can I? Can we now have a three by three of most tedious falls? Because this guy fell forever. <laughs> Eventually shattered his head. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know if this is intentional, but do you, do you guys know what the, the Falling Man is? The, the photograph from 9 11? Oh, so yeah. There's a famous photograph oh, from 9 11 yeah. of a guy falling face down off of the, the Twin Towers because a couple hundred people either jumped or fell that day, and it was it was part of what was horrific about it. And there's a famous photograph that I forget who took it. I think he was like a, a wartime photographer uh, of someone falling, and the guy is just in this weird head down position and yeah. because it's far, so I, I i i'm assuming that wheatley was kind of loosely trying to tie the posture of his fall to fall yeah, you, might, and be I don't right know. you um, might be right about that and i can see the picture in my head when you say yeah. it i wish you hadn't invoked that but i think you're absolutely right well and it's kind of too like what's the point of invoking that if he was even like i don't know but it's Thatcher. you know had right that's your sports at 9 11 yeah. uh <laughs> uh and so i yeah but i the, so the thing is i i totally you know, like, I feel that there, there is this timeless message that Ballard was getting at, and yeah. I do feel I agree with you in that I think Wheatley was trying to make it modern, and there is this kind of – I don't know that – you use the word pandering, and I kind of agree with that. Sophomoric, I also kind of agree. You know what? I agree. So I feel that by, time, by, by ending with this stature connection, he undercut the timelessness of this message, and yeah. I feel that that compromised it. He made it the to the while. <laughs> Uh, thing is, I want you to see, and only because I want you to see how how high rise, how bad high rise could have been. I want you to watch. Uh, I want you to watch Snowpiercer. <laughs> yeah, it's a horizontal high rise. Oh my God, Kelly Vaughn, that's brilliant. Oh, your tagline should have been "It's a vertical Snowpiercer." Oh, cynic. Can you do a Snowpiercer one? Oh, Kelly Wan, you don't realize how accidentally brilliant you can be sometimes. That's, That's the only beautiful. way I do it. I know. <laughs> it's mostly drugs. But Snowpiercer, by the way, unlike Snowpiercer, Snowpiercer has no idea how absurd it is. The, 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 the mm. Korean director is just like making it totally earnest. He's adapted this comic book. Nah. I mean, he, I mean, the, the, like the school have seen with Allison Pill. Tilda Swinton. Right, okay. Uh, okay, but well, here's it. It takes it more seriously than I think Ben Wheatley does in High Rise. I think Snowpiercer is trying to be the whole thing, like the whole reveal about Chris Evans' character. Yeah, that's true. I don't even. I don't want to spoil that. But I think it's you're really supposed to like care and be invested in these characters and their anguish and their mental agony. And it's a hero movie, like right? You, you care about this hero, and and then it turns. Well, I don't want to spoil anything, but I, I think Snowpiercer is far, far worse than this. Well, as we don't give a shit about Loki. Well, basically, right. He's he's someone moving through all this. It's not like Jonathan Price in Brazil, where we're supposed to identify with him, where oh, okay. he is an everyman. But yeah. they're also yeah. both Marvel Universe actors. Jonathan Price is a Marvel Universe actor. No, uh, Hiddleston and Chris Evans. Oh, oh, oh! You're going yeah, back to Snowpiercer, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, very thought good. we're still on Snowpiercer. Sorry. What? Can Can I just ask? Did you guys have an uh, um moment when the when that guy? showed us to the camera the Sigmund Freud book. <laughs> I don't remember, I remember that. that moment. When yeah, was well, it? In, in the very beginning of the movie, when they're, when, you know, right after, I think it might have been when the boxes are being delivered to his apartment, and it, it's it, like when the first boxes are there, Tom Hiddleston does this cool thing where he zips up his fly, and all the guys bring in the boxes. And then there's all these people like marching in slow motion through the 
the lobby to go to their cars before the guy gets oh, pooped yeah, yeah, on. Right, right. Um, but the guy shows the psychopathology of everyday life to the camera. He's like, I'm reading this right now. Did you not see that? It freaked me out. I was like, really? Kelly Wand and I missed that. That sounds funny. I must have been, yeah. I must have been doing that thing that you do, Dingus in Movies, where I was looking down to write a note. Yeah, that I was probably, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I just went, it was, it was, it was kind of an uh-oh moment. But it was also, a, it's one of the, those Tom Check moments for me. It's like, okay, if somebody shows you or does a lecture, oh, right, right. then they're doing this. <laughs> but then that guy went on, I think, I forget which, which character it was. The guy went on to talk about it, and he's the other guy doing the camera stuff in the, in the grocery store. Um, oh, right, the non-Luke Evans one, right? Yeah, the non-Luke Evans one, the non-Zeus one. Um, Let's talk cast then. So we agree we're into uh, t- uh, Tom Hiddleston. I think this had an amazing cast, even if you didn't care for what they're doing. Um, did, did anyone else stand out? So I think it's as someone who wasn't in the movie, did anyone else besides Tom Hiddleston stand out for you? or did you? I, I love I love Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely love her. I mean, I, I mean I'm, I've been crazy about her since West Wing, but I, I you know, sort of fell back into her with uh, with the movie that you uh, told me to watch, uh, The One I Love. Um, is that what it's called, The One I Love? Yeah, The saying? One I Love, yep. yep. Uh, she's so good in it, and it was such a joy to see her here with that weird basketball in her tummy uh, for the whole movie. Um, I think, I, I mean, I wish I would have seen more of her. It was It's weird the way that things go with her, um, but I was so happy to see her, and I think that little, that kid is great. I think the kid is great in this movie. Oh, the yeah. Toby kid, you mean? Yeah. 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 His name is, is, I don't know how to say his name. It's, it's Louis Souk. Um, oh, that's when you said, when you said that name, I was like, who is he talking about? That was the kid. Okay. I like unendearing kids. I always love His that. last name is spelled S-U-C. Um, and I, I really liked him. He's this kind of enduring kid who's dealing with a lot of different things. In the beginning, it looks like he's building a bomb or something. I don't know what he's doing. Um, Thatcher. But I, I, I really like that kid. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did like the cast a lot. I, uh, I thought, as someone who has long, long been a fan of Luke Evans, I really liked what they let him do in this. Uh, and I liked how committed he was to it. Uh, I mean, it was outrageous, ridiculous stuff, and he just threw himself into yeah. it. Uh, from the mustache to the crazy yelling uh, uh, to just being burned out. Uh, and that's part of why I like that Portishead cover. You know, that scene with, uh, I'm confusing my scenes, with Sienna Miller and him after the rape they're both they're both utterly debased like both of them and yeah, she yeah, is yeah, serving right. him dog food and he's stabbing at it with this with his fork um I, and he, he kind of he does this little thing where he does like a he he takes the fir- first forkful and he does this thing where he's like about to nod like yeah this is pretty good and he, he almost stops himself like uh, it, it's this weird little moment where he's like yeah i'm eating this this is good and then he's like uh so and I really liked what they did with him, and I liked how uh, I don't know about central. Yeah, I'll say I liked how central his character became uh, as the yeah. movie went on. And, and you so, know, and Chris, I, I, let, let me just jump in. Chris yeah. Markinson really agrees with you about that after rape sequence. He just like how beaten up she was. He said it was hard to watch, but it was powerful. He thought it was a really powerful scene, but it was really hard to watch. Yeah, well, it's a. I mean, it's it's. I don't know about a transition point, but it, it you know it goes through showing you where, where like each of the characters are, and I think it's where Tom Hiddleston. Because he does the thing, he's laying on bed, and a tear rolls out of his eye. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's just where he's resigned to, you know what, everything's falling apart. It's, it's imminent collapse, and here I am in it. And and it ends, if you remember, 
with the letter being slid under the door where the upper class is basically, quote, making contact with him to get him to lobotomize Wilder, Luke Evans' right. character. And so that's where he ends up throwing in his lot, basically. And he doesn't do it, of course, but it's where he's positioned between those two pol- polar opposites, kind of. Um, so, yeah, so that was kind of a fulcrum for, for me to, to the movie and another reason I really liked that scene. What was weird for me was was how weird, how much weird danger Charlotte um, uh, Sienna Miller was in in so many ways in this movie. I mean, even that in that first weird sex scene um, where Tom oh my Hiddleston, god, yes, 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 right, that was right I got like a tingle at that point. That was like a clinch moment. Yeah, 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 exactly. Where she where he's having sex with her on the wall, and I'm thinking she's just going to fall off, and then her kid winds up walking in, and then she's she does this weird thing where she's just he's just doing whatever he's going to do and and they're having like a normal conversation about other things and she goes oh there's a brothel in the building i can find out about that if you want it's so weird but that moment where she's on the wall i just thought she's going over well you know by the way by this being a movie about hearts you know someone's going to fall at some point (laughs) who's going to be the person who takes the dive right Uh, i really like an actor named james purefoy who's in a tv show called happen leonard uh he was really good in this movie called Ironclad, I've talked about it a few times. Uh, I liked him doing an uncharacteristic part for him as the uh, the uh, upper-class gynecologist fellow. Uh, I liked James Purfoy <laughs> a lot. Uh, how, how about... I think it says a lot about your cast when one of the least outrageous performances comes from Jeremy Irons. <laughs> like, when Jeremy Irons is one of the most forgettable performances, I guess. <laughs> uh, just him as the architect. Um, well, I'm afraid I was totally... What did you say, Kelly? It was good to see him play aristocratic for once. <laughs> <laughs> I was totally distracted by the Batman thing, I'm afraid. <laughs> that, that Batman. Did, yeah. Batman vs. Superman does kind of leave a mark, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it leaves a mark. Uh, my over again, Kelly one, I got that. Uh, so I, my over again is someone Why did you say that word? <laughs> the thing is, you have to yell that a lot louder. Um as someone who is bracketing this closely, uh, who, who liked this movie, but I don't know who I'd recommend it to. Same with Map to the Stars, which I didn't like quite as much of this. What I liked more than this, hugely uneven, I'm not sure who I would recommend it to. I'm pretty sure it's not for Dingus, but he needs to see it because of some of the performances. Um, there's a movie that comes out later this month that I got to see at AFI last year that I cannot wait to come out again called The Lobster. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is another uneven black comedy about a dystopia with an amazing cast. Um, it is written and directed by uh, a Greek fellow named Yorgos Lanthimos, who did a movie called Dogtooth. Um, and Dogtooth is kind of an absurdist, it could be a play basically, uh, about children raised with no context for language. Um, mm. But The Lobster is a dystopia, uh, and this is established right off the bat, where you have to fall in love with someone. You have to find your perfect match. And if you don't, you get turned into an animal. And and Colin, and you get to pick what animal. Colin Farrell's animal is going to be a lobster. But first, he's going to try to be in this program where you fall in love with someone. And the movie takes a really cool twist halfway through and becomes a different kind of movie. But the cast in The Lobster – and The Lobster, by the way, the dialogue is every bit of as outrageous and weirdly brilliant as some of the stuff in uh, High Rise – so the cast is Colin Farrell and Rachel Weisz, both of whom I have never – I would never guess they can be as funny as they are. And it's a very, very specific kind of funny. Um, 
It has Ben Wishaw, John C. Riley, mm. uh, a guy named Michael Smiley, who's a Ben Wheatley regular, uh, Leah Sedu, who uh, we know from Blue is the Warmest Color. She was a kick-ass. <laughs> yeah, in one of the Mission Impossibles. Uh, How is that a, woman- a dystopia? She's in it. Well, there you go. Well, you'll see. Uh, a woman named Jessica Barden, who was Hannah's friend in Hannah, this great young British actress. Uh, Ashley Jensen, who was Ricky Gervais's sidekick in, in Extras. Mm. Uh, but a fantastic cast in The Lobster. And Kelly Wand, The Lobster is a Kelly Wand movie. And I was eyeballing how it. Funny- yeah, you, you need to see it. You would like it. And and Dingus, because of how funny Colin Farrell and Rich twice are, even though I don't know that this will work for you, I'm afraid you have to see The Lobster. Mm. There was a... Bo- I- Bowling it too, but with my segmented eyes. Gross. Uh, too soon. Okay. <laughs> All right, so Dingus, you liked The Crazies uh, more uh, than High Rise. What's a movie you liked less than High Rise? Right, this is another movie that a lot of people that I know really super love, and I've never, ever gotten it. Uh, and this is by a director I really, really like. And I would put um, Delicatessen just under this. Oh, movie. I've never seen that. I like it. You don't like it? I just don't get it. Uh, and maybe it's that. Come on. All right. Now I get it. All right. <laughs> it's not, not John Jacques Arnaud. It's that. Who's that other French fella? Uh, he's got. It's does both he have of three them. Names? It's Jean Pierre Junot. Jean Pierre Junot, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the guy who did City of Lost Children and some other movie that I talk about a lot. Um, I, I really love that director. Um, What's the other I movie just, you talk about? Alien 4? What's the other movie? Oh, Amelie. Never mind. Thank you. <laughs> I did to think forward a little bit. Right, of course. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Alien 4, honestly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love City of Lost Children. I love Amelie. I've never, I just never got Delicatessen. And I and I had a really good friend in school, Yuri, who loved Delicatessen. And I tried to watch it and tried to watch it. I just don't get it. But it's got that same sort of weird apartment building, uh, apartment building ecology, which is what I would put this this movie into oh, right. um, this weird this weird thing that happens where and I kept watching this movie and just thinking why don't you guys just leave I mean because it's not like the, the rest of the city has 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 disintegrated and, and I mean one of the things I like about Jeremy Irons one of the earlier scenes is how he describes what he's planned as this palm with the lake yeah, you yeah. know being the palm of the hand and where the where like the the uh, the distal part of the uh, the index finger and and how he's going to build this lake and then how Tom Hiddleston I think finds himself out there in the middle of this lake that hasn't been built yet um, and how the and and how and with these weird moments where these horrible things are happening you'll still see in the distance a car driving down the road um, I do kind of like that but I kept wondering why aren't these people leaving so this made me did, it did make me think of uh, I mean albeit I think Delicatessen does take place in a, an actual post-apocalyptic world. Um, but it made me think of, of how I just didn't get the, the Delicatessen, and maybe I just didn't get this movie. Kelly, I should see Delicatessen, right? Um, it's a lesser whatever that guy's name is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I'm I like a, it. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that guy. I mean, I, I, I respect the visual. You didn't like City of Lost Children? Out. No, not really. I think it was I, – I, maybe I just didn't understand it, like Dingus is saying about Delicatessen. And I'm not as – Amelie was fine. I love Audrey Tatu, whatever. Uh, but I don't, I'm not as crazy about Amelie as Dingus is. So maybe right. I'm just not a Junae guy. I thought it was so you're, good, but not great. Okay. So your theory that uh, I have a man crush I'm, – I'm I do not have a man crush oh, on yeah. Dominic Pignon. No, yeah, the guy with the weird lips. Of course you do, Dingus. 
I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Well, it does fall apart. I think there. he's a cellist and a... And <laughs> says the guy with weird lips. Kelly Wad, you're over. And uh, bravo for that one. Uh, La Dolce Vita, what is your under? My under is another movie about a house with electronic issues, and it's called Demon Seed. Oh, God. Kelly Wad, good one. Both of these are awesome. Hmm. Yeah, you don't see you know, La Dolce Vita and Demon Seed on the same list much, do you? Sure. Yeah, I want you to explain Demon Seed to Dingus. Yeah, please do. Dingus, Demon Seed's about a house that's evil because it's got an evil computer running it, and it impregnates, uh, is it Karen Black or Brenda Vaccaro? I always get those two mixed up because they're both in Capricorn 1. So You're kidding me, Kelly Wand. Well, one of them's really hot, and the other one's Karen it's, Black. Though. You were totally Betty Buckley. No, Kelly Wand, seriously? Are you just being facetious? It's Julie Christie. It's, it's oh, that's like right, awesome right. Julie, like she's so yeah. I'm thinking it's of like, it. Yeah. It's like just so weird because of how like Karen Black that would make sense, but Julie Christie just like like to have her to have someone as proper as her violated by a computer is oh, yeah. weird. It's part of what makes it weird. Yeah, that happens too. By the way, Dingus, she gets violated right. by a computer. That's so not hell. for you, Dingus. Demon Seed, not for you. But then at the end, she gives birth to Ben Grimm. Oh God, that's right. I forgot. I don't know. Do you remember that weird... Like when the Fantastic Four? Well, then his skin falls <laughs> off and it's her dead son. Yeah. Okay, what were you going to say, Tom? <laughs> so, you sure. And remember that weird, like, the computer becomes like this folding tetrahedron that smushes someone up in it? Yeah. yeah. Who's the voice of the computer again? Isn't oh, it I don't know. Famous? Is it someone famous? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It's like Peter Ustinov or uh, Groucho Marx or somebody. <laughs> One of those guys. One of those vaudevillians. I don't know, but Demon Seed, that's one I, 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 I think Twain. I saw it about five years ago. Um, you did? Thought it was, yeah, yeah, I thought it kind of held up. I mean, it's still really weird. Uh, <laughs> what guided you to it? I just but, love going back and watching old 70s movies. No, I do too, but I'm curious. How you went, I wonder if Demon Seed... Well, I just I, what, I, what I love more than watching <laughs> 70s movies is going back and watching 70s movies that freaked me out as a kid. Oh, yeah, and see, yeah. does this hold up? And I remember Demon Seed, like... I, I didn't understand anything about the whole impregnation angle and what was going on with all that, but I remember that thing folding up and smushing someone in it and how freaky that was. So you did an old just, Who's Afraid of the Dark on it? Uh, wait, how did I do it? Oh, as far as going back and watching it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but this still freaked me Paul out? Like Bettany. Was it Paul Bettany? Uh, hmm. uh, did you guys have any doubt when uh, Toby said, you know, the man upstairs... Oh, I didn't. I didn't get that. I thought they were then going to explain. No, my father lives upstairs. But then I think Elizabeth Moss interrupts him or something. So I, I didn't. No, because he says, "Do you mean he's in heaven now?" Right. I mean, it was obvious he was talking about Jeremy Irons. No, I didn't know it was Jeremy Irons. I just thought later, like his dad was just going to be some random schmo who lives upstairs. I thought it was a racer. Can you guys explain something to me? I do not understand how squash works because it's like you're playing t- tennis but you're both on the same side of the court so how, right like, that's it how how do you play squash without getting in each in each other's way how does that work uh there's have a you never played racquetball or squash not really i haven't either why, why would i have done that thing is my job well I, I played racquetball a fair amount I, I don't i haven't played squash i mean it's a smaller ball with a different Sized racket. Um, and handball, but, right? Isn't handball the same thing too, where you just don't even have the racket and you're both on the same side of the court? You always have the simple. ball. 
but it's it's the it's it's you know it, you know it's like wall ball. I mean, it's any of those things. But it's where you, you're where you're allowed to hit the ball on the wall, and and actually the way you're what you're doing is you're using your opponent's body sort of as uh, as a defensive maneuver. So you're hitting the ball, and and you're using your body and his body um, as a way of of where the ball, ball is going to deflect and how where it's going to deflect, where it's going to hit the floor, when he can hit it, because it, it can only bounce once. Um, so it, it's it's this this whole weird thing in this contained little box where you hit it against the wall, it can only hit the floor once. I don't know if squash works the same way as racquetball, but then you know if you if you're if you're blocking him or he's blocking you, uh, you know it, it, that's why there's these weird moments where somebody will, will hit something and you'll just see the other guy go ah. Uh, because he could hit it so low that it just skits skits across the floor. Um, You're still not I mean, explaining how people don't get in each other's way. Like, what if you and I are playing racquetball? I'm just going to probably whack you in the back of the head on accident, like 20 percent of the time. I don't accident. think you're going to do it on accident. I think you're going to do right. it on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> is, that, is that allowed? Would a yellow flag be thrown in <laughs> no. on me? No, but there's there's a certain amount of uh, I, I'm not going to get in your way on purpose. But um, you know, if that happens, it happens. Uh, in the same way that you know, in any in any sport that you would block somebody out, but you can't block somebody out if you hit a ball against the wall in racquetball or squash. I mean, you you hit the ball and you move away, and then he has to go with the ball. Kelly, let's you and I, Kelly Wands, let's you and I start playing uh, squash. Ready? Why don't we just hit each other with rackets? Isn't that faster? One, two, three, not only you and me, got one, eight, 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 I do like that as a film title, Tom. Brutal No one steal that. He's saying there's no rule, and you just get out of each other's way on an honor system. Right. But in most sports, there's a rule, and you can't because if you see, you're saying the ball will hit you. When I play with Kelly Wan, I'm just going to be whack. I'm going to I'm going to aim at him directly. Is that you know you wouldn't know like a ball has an infinite number of points, so it has an infinite number of directions in which it could bounce. So one of those directions could be into the back of Kelly Wan's head. Hmm. Just saying. That's no control over that. None. The back's where the magic happens. These are describing a match between Will Ferrell and uh, Charles C. Reilly. Which one am I? I? Both. <laughs> uh, Let's do a three by three. Why is it called squash? Is that what you're doing your opponent? Probably from the French. <coughs> All right, this week's 3x3 three three is... <laughs> the other I night... I want you guys to give me movies in which the side characters are more interesting than the main characters, which generally is a failing in a movie. Uh, I think we were all of varying degrees of fondness about the last Huntsman movie, but I think we also all agreed that the most inter- interesting characters were the chick dwarves who show up halfway through the movie. And they're super cool. It's an awesome bit. And I felt they eclipsed. And I think we all felt they they were sort of, in a way, more lively than the main characters. Those so were I chicks? Want, <laughs> dwarves, Kelly Wan. Oh. Uh, so I want to talk about other movies like that for you, where the main characters don't work so much, but, uh, but the side characters are more interesting. Hmm. Kelly Wand, you are introducing... No, not. Week. Oh, no, no, Dingus. You are introducing next week's topic. <laughs> Thank God. So why don't you start us off with your third favorite movie in which the side characters are more interesting than the main character. And Dingus, if you steal one of mine, one in specific, 
there there's going to be trouble. Hmm. Right. I, first of all, I'm not going to steal any of yours. You don't know. Second of all, it's not in which the side characters are more interesting. It's you were like a side character is more interesting than the main characters. Okay. I mean, I might have in mind more than one that are more interesting, but you, you could narrow, narrow them down to one particular one. All right, fair enough. I've done one, and my third uh, choice is the only one that is from a movie that I don't like. Because the real difficulty this week was was thinking about movies I liked and, and thinking about the other movies and, and really having to task myself with your... Your caveat is that it has to, the, that the other character is way, way better than the main character. And right. in most movies I like, one of the reasons I like it is because the main character is so compelling. Because that's a, that's a huge misstep in a narrative, isn't it? Is yeah. To, uh, yeah. So I, I was in the same boat thing. It's of my of my movies, I only like one of them. Okay, good. Well, I like two of them very, very much. And I sort of stretch to make it like imagine, okay, a movie about this character and why this character is more interesting or better quote-unquote, better mm-hmm. than the main characters of the movie. So my third is a movie I did not like. Uh, this is a quote from it. Um, she lives in my boarding house, and she's awful. Oh, uh, 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 Brooklyn? Is, it, <laughs> Brooklyn. is it Brooklyn? It is indeed Brooklyn. And the character is Dolores. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, Dingus. Yeah, this is good. She's played by uh, uh, an actress named Jen Murray, um, and she's the awkward girl that uh, Ailish has to take to the dance, and then abandons. And I really love that girl. I really love that character. And um, I, I didn't like Brooklyn that much. Uh, and that whole... that, But I did like a lot of the boarding house meal scenes. Um, and, I, and I liked those uh, other characters that, that uh, Dolores calls um, those bitches. Uh, who who say we're not going to the dance? We're going to a movie. We're not going to take her to the thing. And then then the headmistress has to say, okay, well, Ailish, if you're going, then you have to take Dolores. And then she takes Dolores, and Dolores is sitting there, and she's just so awkward and weird. And I just I I just wanted to see a movie about this weird, awkward girl living in this boarding house who sits at the table the whole time while the pretty girls just you know take the other sort of dirtied up pretty girl into the bathroom, put lipstick on her, then let her go out. She gets a couple of dances, and then she ditches her while falling in love with this guy. She's like, is the girl in the white t-shirt over there? Well, she's over there. Then take me home. That's fine with me because she's awful, and I just want to ditch her. But I'm so interested in Dolores. I I just want to take the opportunity, and I, I want people to know this as often as they can if they've seen Brooklyn. The moment that girl showed up on screen... I thought, oh, that's Kelly Wand, if Kelly Wand was a chick. <laughs> I'm not a chick. <laughs> uh, also, the thing is, I thought about Brooklyn, too, for Donald Gleason. Cause, uh, and I remember we kind of talked about oh. this. We, were, yeah. we all just are so fond of him just because of what he's been doing lately. But I remember just wishing he was in the movie more. Uh, but yeah, that, that's Wait, the, the plumber? Oh, no, the Donald Irish Gleason. guy. The Irish yeah, the, guy. Uh, uh, Captain – oh, shoot, what is his name? The Harry Potter Wars. I feel like guy. I should know this. Oh, my gosh. Kyle ah, I don't know what he is. No, that's that's Brian of Tarth. Oh, uh, well, that and Ex Machina, like we're just so uh, fond of him lately. And there's one other thing, right? Oh, oh Revenant. Good lord, yeah, Revenant. Yeah. Poe Dameron. <laughs> Kelly Wan. He's an Ex Machina. <laughs> um. All right, uh, Kelly Wan. What's your third favorite a movie where or side character more interesting than main character? All right, and the Phantom Menace, the Star Wars movie. Um, I didn't think the main characters were that good. But 
the side character I thought was really good was um, the Tuscan Raider who shot at the pod racers. I thought he was better than all the characters. That guy spoke for all of us. Kelly Wand? That's one. Is that your choice? That's my number three. I like that guy. All right. Phantom Menace, Tuscan Raider who shot at the pod pod racers. I like him. My third favorite character, uh, and again, this is hard, and Kelly Wand, you seem to be doing this as well, because a lot of times it's going to be a movie you don't like. This is the one I did like for various reasons. Um, and one of the reasons was not the main character, because pretty much everything other than him, this is a guilty pleasure for me. Uh, now, I am not as hugely fond of Breaking Bad as a lot of people, and I never thought Aaron Paul was any good in it. Ooh. So when Aaron Paul shows up in a movie for me, I'm kind of like, eh, whatever. When they try to make Aaron Paul like the dashing, cool, leading man, like, for instance, in John Hillcoat's upcoming movie, Triple Nine, Aaron Paul is a sniveling coward. It is awesome. It's exactly how he should be cast. When Aaron Paul is your dashing, leading man in Need for Speed, <laughs> it doesn't work. You've completely subverted me caring about the character in your movie. However, Need for Speed makes up for this in a few ways. Uh, one of the ways, and this is hugely important for a movie like Need for Speed, it's got really good car work. Like beautiful cars, some well-shot car chases, um, so really good car work. But more importantly, it does have characters I care about. Not Aaron Paul. Instead, his like hot chick sidekick, Imogen Poots, who mm-hmm. uh, Dingus and I, I just saw in Green Room, who's amazing, and we love her from 28 Weeks Later. So anytime you're having to sit and listen to Aaron Paul talk, at least Imogen Poots is there in the, in the, in the passenger seat with him. Uh, also, Rami Malek is one of his sidekicks in, in it, uh, from from uh, Mr. Robot, uh, from Short Term 12. Mm. I love that guy, and they make him sort of the comedic sidekick. Um, hmm. So Need for Speed, which I quite like, uh, in spite of Aaron Paul. Uh, and by the way, I concede freely that it's a bad, bad movie, but I do like it. Uh, and specifically Imogen Poots and, and Rami Malek. Is Imogen Poots the girl, the sister in 28 Weeks Later? Yes, the older sister. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. uh, and what else has she been in? Like, I know she's worked a lot, but I just remember from those couple of things. Dingus, do we know her from anything else? What? Imogen Poots? I don't know. Okay. I don't remember you ever pushing Need for Speed on me. It's like, yeah, oh, well, I would check it out. No, I wouldn't push it on anyone. I don't think I would just. Oh. I would confess that I liked mm. it. <laughs> it's not something that I would necessarily stand. I don't behind. think you've ever confessed you liked it, even. Well, then this is a first. Mm. I'm outed. Fair enough. And it's your topic, so this was your. If the topics reveal something about the personality of the topic chooser, then you just revealed that you. You really want people to see Need for Speed. <laughs> I'm not saying that. That's what you're saying. That's your cult platform. Oh my god, now I'm become like a, a devotee. No, adherent to There's dumber speed. movies to go down for. <laughs> I'm sure. Dingus, what's your second favorite uh, side character not as interesting? Oh, and I was going to give you guys lines. Okay, I'll give you lines for the other ones. Wait, what was the, what was the movie you chose for three? Oh, Need for Speed. Oh, it was Need for Speed, but isn't he the main <laughs> character? Yeah, yeah, but he didn't terrible. pick him as the character. Yeah, he's terrible. I like Imogen Poots and, and Rami Malek right. in it. I think the supporting cast oh. is way better. Aaron Paul's oh, I see. All is right. consistently a weak point. Um, 
And because he's the main character in Need for Speed, he's the like heroic guy who's avenging his buddy's death and he's chasing down the the villain by competing in a cross country race with Michael Keaton oh, as, like, as okay, a radio right. announcer. Yeah. But I was number- waiting for some sort of other reveal because I was really I was trying not to pick people who were the um, the love interest or the uh, antagonist. Right. Oh, I see what you're Right. Well, she's not really. Mm-hmm. Actually, do they ever make out? Or the the female lead or whatever. Right. But anyway, all right, Need for Speed. I haven't seen it, so I can't speak. And don't see it, Ingus, because then, uh, yeah, not, not not for you. Not for many people, in fact. <laughs> Only for Tom, <laughs> specifically. Not for many people. Only all right, uh, here's a quote from my number two pick of uh, a side character that I think is inter- more interesting or uh, much, much better than the main characters. And this is from a movie I absolutely love. So here's a quote from it. Can I confess something? I tell you this as an artist. I think you'll understand. The hours. (laughs) The artist. (laughs) How about if I say it like this? Can I confess something? I tell you this as an artist. Pennies from heaven. Monsignor. I think you'll understand. Shoot. Oh, that's uh, his Wahlberg. Uh, oh, oh, uh, 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 communion. No. Oh. Deep Blue Sea. This is the character Dwayne, the younger oh, brother stop, of stop. Annie. Oh, shoot. I was going to guess Seven Psychopaths. No, probably not. Okay, I'm go still going to guess. Uh, I know what he's doing. Dingus, oh my god, Dingus is so predictable. All right, go ahead, Dingus. Oh my god. This is Dwayne, the younger brother of Annie Hall in the movie Annie Hall. Um, and I love that scene. I mean, it's just one scene, but I love Christopher Walken in that scene so much. And uh, as much as I love the movie Annie Hall, I just, Alvy Singer, like, you know, conventioning about all the things that he doesn't, oh my gosh, I, I don't want this, I don't want that, and Annie Hall not being able to get along with him. But when they meet the younger brother, I'm like, man, I would like to see a movie about, about Dwayne. I mean, Dwayne, this guy who constantly dreams about turning the car in the path of the other cars that are coming in. I mean, it, it's in the service of basically a gag because then he's driving them to the airport. Uh, but the way Christopher Walken plays it, I mean, it could have been total throwaway. Uh, but I think Dwayne is far more interesting than either Alvy Singer or any home. Dingus, do you know if this would have been pre or post Deer Hunter? Do we oh, good lord, I have no idea. I would have to to be pre. This is 1977. Well, I thought, uh, Deer Hunter is a little earlier, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. You know what? I'm going to look that up. You know what? I know. I totally know. It's in my mind. I'm just going to access the place in my mind where I know Deer Hunter 78, so it is pre-Deer Hunter. So yeah, I just love Dwayne. I think Dwayne is just so weird and I'm like, what in the world is going on with that guy? Um, But he's basically... Used as a gag, but for you know some reason, Woody Allen cast a guy who totally took over the scene. You know, Woody Allen goes into the room of Dwayne, and he's like, "Oh, this is my nice room," and he sits there and he listens to Dwayne say this awesome little monologue, and he's like, "Well, I got to get back to the planet Earth now," which would have really been a funny joke if if Christopher Walken's Dwayne hadn't been so full of gravity. I mean, that guy's so amazing. <laughs> you know who else really takes over a scene in that movie, Dingus? Sigourney Weaver. Oh, that's a good point. In her famous scene in that. 
Kelly Wand, what is uh, an even better instance than Phantom Menace of a movie where a side character is more interesting than the main character? Uh, okay, I'll give you a quote. Yes, I can't wait. Would you like to buy a monkey? Oh my gosh, are you doing <laughs> Dave Letter- yeah, yeah, Letterman's way better. He's kind of right, though, Dingus. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I can't stand Chris Elliott. He's so weird. No, I love Chris Elliott, but the movie's oh, not that good. I love Chris Elliott. I do, too. I love Chris Elliott. Come Did you see Get a Life? Life? Get a Life's the best show it, ever made, and Charlie show. Kaufman... Uh, well, he what? only made one movie. Charlie what? Kaufman wrote episodes of uh, Get a Life, and so did uh, Bob Odenkirk. And that weird thing, that, that weird Jaws thing that he does with his dad? Yeah. That was the what? thing that was going to make Cabin Boy, because Tim Burton was going to do it. Yeah. And then at the last second, he pulled out. So it's kind of an uneven movie, like High Rise. But yeah, no, he, I love Chris Elliott. I'm a big fan of Chris Elliott. Me too. Elliott. Is it part of this? Is, is it, it what? uh, what's, who's Conan O'Brien's sidekick? Andy, not Circus, Andy, uh, shoot. De- what's Conan uh, O'Brien's sidekick's name? Andy. Who? Conan O'Brien's Richter. sidekick. Really? Andy, Andy Richter. Richter, right. Yeah. Isn't he also great in Cabin Boy, or am I misremembering? Yeah, he's a big fat, yeah. uh, idiot in it. He's a big that, happy I like, one. I would watch Cabin Boy for Andy Richter before I would watch it for Chris Elliott. I oh, think I Chris Elliott is so odd. I would never would have guessed <laughs> that you were a Chris Elliott fan. I think did you ever watch the Dave Letterman show? Yeah. Uh-huh. You, did, you didn't like you, the you regulator didn't like it, like, guy? Up, yeah. Well, right, but he pops up. Like The point of all of his skits is that he's a freak, is that he's really weird. Did you see his impression yeah. of Leno? <clears throat> did you see mm. his Marlon Brando? I don't, I don't recall seeing those. Did it's you see way his more grounded. Is what? No, is Paul Schaefer? So. He yeah. did a lot of good shit. He made some I short did, movies. Yeah. I did see him, by the way. I think his best work was in The Abyss. Yeah, definitely. He's the best part of the abyss. He's hilarious in that. Groundhog's awesome. I love that guy. I think he's so committed and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. I give him. I, I give Get him a life's money. genius. Well, I will definitely agree with you guys. He is committed. Yeah. It's, there's not someone who's. He's not pulling any punches with whatever jokes he's written or have been written for him. Yeah. yeah. So I disagree that, that Kelly thinks that uh, the sock monkey guy is more interesting. Than Chris Elliott's character in that movie? Well, I don't, I've never seen Kevin Boyce. Excuse me? You're a Chris Elliott fan. You didn't go see his movie in the theater really baked on opening night? What the fuck? Well, I, I, I've never what been baked, of... so yo, I didn't do that. You didn't see Cabin Boy, Dingus. Look me in the eye. No. Why? That. Why would Dingus watch Cabin Boy? Because he says he's a Chris Elliott fan, which was weird, uh, too. I mean, but... huge Chris Elliott fan, but mainly because of his comedy, because of the, the skits that he's <laughs> It's done. not a drama. Get a life. Um, and the only reason I know about that skit is because of when Dave Letterman did the Oscars. Yeah, that didn't make you intrigued? Dingus, I don't know if you know this, there's a whole movie with Chris Elliott. Yeah. I did not know that. It's called he's the on Abyss. a pirate ship. He thinks he's going to Hawaii, but he's on a pirate ship. Or a fisherman, actually. He's uh, like I an Olympic I, swimmer. Just, just hearing you describe it, Kelly Wan, is making me realize how great I find Chris Elliott. I'm so glad that you actually saw the Cabin Boy movie, Tom. Why? Why are you glad I saw it? Because you deserve that. If they you get attacked by ice monsters. Three, that Chris Elliott is a brilliant comic. Mm-hmm. And I deserved to have to watch him for 90 minutes. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but get a life is better. Yeah. I, here's one I was worried Dingus was going to choose, and I have a line from it. And actually, I don't, yeah, I think he'll get this, Dingus. Here's the line from my number two choice of a movie where I don't like the – where I like the side characters way more than the main characters. Ready? Here's the line. I like Spider-Man. Aw, that's a good choice. Knocked up. 
Kelly Wand got it. Oh. Leslie Mann says it too. Yeah, and I didn't even say it the way she said it. Dingus, you would have gotten that, right? Mm -hmm. No, I never would have gotten that. Are you serious? Oh, I love that scene. I would have been totally thinking about superhero movies. (laughs) Well, Paul Rudd's a superhero now. In what superhero? I guess maybe in Spider-Man. With Spider-Man. Um. So knocked up. I just, even though I, you know, Seth Rogen, I really enjoy watching him work. Catherine Heigl is just great. I, I think <laughs> knocked up just it is insufferable for how it romanticizes people who are making terrible life yeah. choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it drives mm-hmm. me batty because, like, I to me, uh, knocked up is about a, a really ambitious, driven, smart woman being dragged down by a loser and the movie wants us to yeah. approve of that because the loser is a nice guy. Yeah. And and I just I that it just doesn't work for me. There are parts of it that are funny and I love his like sidekicks, like his bits with um uh Jay Baruchel, uh Jonah Hill, Martin Starr, and, and J- Jason Siegel, by the way. I love those guys. They're they're funny. You know, to just watch a movie with Seth Rogan goofing around with them. And Red. And, and well so here's the thing. Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann, as characters who were dealing with the the difficulty of having made yeah. the right, yeah. more, more challenging life choices, and caring about having a family and raising their kids, and 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 just watching them fight and how they fight, I mean, it just feels very real. And they're both very, very good. Uh, I just I loved them in that movie, and I love the scene where she thinks that he is cheating on her, so she follows him somewhere. And discovers that he's just wanting a night off to play fantasy baseball or whatever that is. Right, right, right. Yeah, you got um, Suki. And they have this, yeah, see, Kelly Wand, and I didn't know what that meant, but I sort of understood the subtext. He was happy about his little game thing. Um, right. And I loved their little conversation where then he says, sometimes I just want time on my own. And she said, well, did, where were you last Wednesday? And he says, I went to the movies. And she says, well, who did you go with? And he says, I just went alone. And she says, well, what did you see? He says, I saw Spider- Spider-Man 3. And she just starts crying, and she says, I like Spider-Man. Why didn't you take me? <laughs> it's just so endearing. Um, Tom, where does it start? Uh, their relationship is so great. I'm so glad you brought this up. I didn't even think of it. Um, because the, the other part of that movie I find unbearable for exactly the reasons that you say. Uh, there's no reason for her. Uh, good Lord. It's that whole – it's like a sitcom thing of, of that super hot woman with this yeah. love of a – doofus who delivers for UPS or whatever, and she could get anybody. Well, and they, they even play with that at the very first. There's this like idea that she only did it because she was super drunk, and she yeah. But then there's it, they totally have this like loving relationship. That, yeah, it's it, it's exactly the sitcom thing. thing. Yeah. right. And that she would have a baby with this doofus. I mean, honestly. But anytime that you have the actual real couple who actually feel like a real couple as far as within the context of the movie. It might be a modern family context, but I really like the way that the two of them interact and the way that they are having a family. I mean, even, you know, I don't know modern family, but Parks and Rec, the way that um, Leslie and Ben are dealing with each other. I mean, I love that. I love the way that, that these two people are trying to make something happen and in a real way that's funny. And the other two, I, I mean, honestly, get the Get out of here. Uh, do you guys – so during the pregnancy reveal scene, we did a three-by-three three of the uh, least awful pregnancy reveals. I, and I didn't remember this, so I watched Knocked Up again. Catherine Heigl, uh, you know, really? she has the one-night stand with him. She thinks it's a big mistake. She's not into him. She discovers she's pregnant. She wants to have the baby. She thinks she should tell him. So they have a dinner together, and he's like, oh, she wants to see 
see me again because he thought he would never see her again. She was too hot for him. So they have a dinner together, and there's a talking, and she finally says, well, I'm having dinner with you because I have to tell you something. I'm pregnant. And his first line, and this is a joke and it's kind of funny, but it's sort of emblematic of how this is a sitcom and not a real movie. His response to her saying, I'm pregnant, is, fuck off. <laughs> Which, what? oh my god. What? That's his response. Like, he doesn't believe her. Like, it, and it, it's, the whole point of the, like, they're, they're, his character trait is that basically he's crass and insensitive. Like, that's oh. his, uh, and I, uh, it's just... And he I says, do. He I, says, "Fuck off." Yeah, yeah. Well, not like, not like, literally, get out of here. But like, no way. Like that. The subtext is no way. Like you're not pregnant. Uh, like a, a disbelief thing. Um, he should have done a spit take. That that is that level of humor, kind of. And I do have to say that, like, this is Judd Apatow. He wrote it. Water's um, breaking. Uh, he directed it. And a lot of what's going on in this movie is this idea that. Just because a guy has made terrible life choices and never grew up and isn't being an adult, as long as he's nice, he's capable of loving someone and therefore starting a family. Like that's his whole idea, and it seems very like guy centric, like that, like the loser guy. Women can be with loser guys as long as they're nice. Well, that's but, what Heigl was saying. That was her complaint later. Well, but what I, I love, and it, it does, and that's a lot of what's going on in the movie, except for the parts with Leslie Mann and Paul Rudd, which right. are oddly mature, and you can right. see that bit. And you can see that, yeah, Judd Apatow, who wrote this movie, and Leslie Mann is his wife, his children are the little kids in the movie. But you can see, okay, this guy isn't just a total schlub making dude movies with the bits with Paul Mann, or Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann. You can see, okay, yeah, this is the guy who's going to go on and produce uh, Girls, Trainwreck, and Bridesmaids. Like he's not – even though this is so dude-centric – he recognizes there are valuable women perspective, female perspectives to be made in this context of this kind of comedy. Um, so even though some of it drives me crazy, you can see flashes of, yeah, this guy is, you know, he's just a sort of a, telling a story about dudes, but he's sensitive to like the fact that women have stories to be told and they should be told from their perspective sometimes as well. So I'm glad you brought up Trainwreck uh, because I, I love that movie unbelievably much. Um, and, but I, I was thinking of the David Tell character and how uh, how weird and interesting that guy is. But because I love Trainwreck so much and because I love Amy Schumer's character right. so much, I couldn't pick it right. um, because she's a better character. I mean, they they both are. Yeah. Uh, but the David Tell character is also really an interesting character. Um, so I'm really glad you brought that up. Do you guys remember the bit from Knocked Up with Craig Robinson as a bouncer? Yeah. I've completely forgotten this. That's a great no. bit. He'd tear no, that no, ass wait. up. So they're, they're trying to so – Catherine Heigl is <laughs> – Doorman. Pregnant. Doorman. Yeah. She, she's – Kelly Wan, you totally remember. Yeah. She's totally – she's really pregnant. She's really showing. Uh, her and Leslie Mann want to go out to a club. Um, so they go to the club, and the bouncer is Craig Robinson, and he's letting all these younger chicks through. So they go up to the line. They're like, uh, can we get in? Hey, pretty and he, lady. And he's like, no, you, you can't. I'm not letting you in. We're at capacity. And he's just, he starts off being the asshole bouncer, and she finally breaks down and berates him. Uh, and you just think that's where the scene is going to end. She's had a breakdown. But he takes her aside, and he says, you know what? You're right. I hate this job. I hate what I have to do. Oh, you are totally 
boy hot. I would totally tap that ass, but I got to do this, and I feel terrible about myself for it. And it's just a great bit, and it's so yeah. it's so quintessential Craig Robinson. Like he so nails that bit. Yeah, uh, it's hilarious. And you don't see it coming. Uh, you don't know who Craig Robinson is yet. Like yeah, it's kind exactly. of one of his first movie roles. You go, oh, yeah. he's, it's a doorman character. In this is that scene. before The Office? Mm, it's around when his character started showing up in it more. Yeah, I, but you told me at least. Not, yeah. I didn't recognize him. I didn't know who he was. That's a gr- I'm glad you brought that to mind because that's a great bet. And, and just that scene alone, it just stands out. Just, yeah, uh, Kristen Wiig and Alan Tudyk as the network execs. Are, are oh, well. I didn't notice them. Here, by the way, hmm. this is so he totally made a movie about everybody who's the wrong person. Well, the, check this out, Dingus. I cannot stand Ken Jong. That guy, yeah. whenever he shows up in a movie, the movie takes a nosedive because I don't think he's funny. Uh, Kim Jong shows up as the, the gynecologist on call when she finally has the baby. And when I was watching it this time, I was like, oh, God, really? Here, here's the deal, though. Kim Jong is not in it to be funny, and I love what he does. Oh, really? <laughs> not that, yeah, he's not there to make jokes. He is there because at this point, the movie wants to be serious, and it wants to be – it's not just doing bits anymore because we're at the birth scene, and this is the sort of mandatory, earnest redemption, the sentimental bit. Kim Jong is there as the – he's sort of the face of the shortcomings of, of modern healthcare. Like his whole priority is, as he says, to just get the baby out, and he doesn't have a very good bedside manner, but he's very efficient, uh, and Seth Rogen has to take him aside and say, look, dude, uh, you know this – Here's our situation. Can you just please understand it from our perspective? And they have a little man-to-man talk, and then Ken Jong just comes in, and he tries it differently with a slightly different bedside manner, and that's it. Like he's not there to do shtick. Uh, it's a great part, and I think it's before we were accustomed to see him and think, okay, here, here comes goofy jokes. Um, so even even Ken Jong, like I don't mind as, as a side character in Knocked Up. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. So. We are down to – I've lost track of my list. Dingus, you're number one, and I don't think you're going to steal – I was worried you were going to steal Knocked Up. No, no. I'm not going to steal anything from you on this one. Okay. What's your um, – My number one side character that I think is much, much better than the main characters, and this is a movie I absolutely love, and I've chosen many times for other things. Uh, the quote I would give you is not something that this guy says, but it's something that he prints, and it's, I always liked you. And this is the character Kit Kat from the movie Hudson Hawk. Um, <laughs> this is a great pick. I'm with you 110%, by the way. This is David Caruso. Um, and as much as I love this movie and I love all the antics that uh, Bruce Willis and Andy McDowell and Danny Aiello go through, I find Kit Kat to be a fascinating character. He never says a word. He's the most – he's the funniest character in the movie for me and the most interesting. He – Dresses exactly like Bruce Willis in the open in the in one of the first scenes that he's with him, uh, he, and he has all these cards. And then in his death scene, uh, all these cards spill out from him when he's when he's oh, right. stabbed. And 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 she and and McDowell is like, "Kick out, wait!" And but he gets he gets shot by the weird British butler guy. And all these cards spill out, and they've all got printing on them. And he flicks that one up that says, "I always liked you." All of these cards have something that are specific, that is specific to every person that he talks to, um, and you just have to wonder what is his character, what is his deal. He never says a word, and it's my 
probably outside of session nine, my favorite David Caruso performance. <laughs> um, I, I just love that he's so committed to it. He's silent the whole time. He does this whole Bruce Willis impersonation for part of it. He pretends to be a statue. He dresses in drag at one point. Um, and he's named Kit Kat. I, I just I am fascinated by this guy, and I think he's a much better character than the Bruce Willis character. Or and it's really painful to watch Andy McDowell in this movie. Um, I love the movie. I can watch it again and again and again. I, I'm not going to apologize for that, but but I think Kit Kat is the more interesting character. Kaiwan, how do you feel about Dingus hating on Jade? And oh yeah, and hating on Hudson Hawk as a character. <laughs> what are you talking? Oh, it's. It's actually like vanilla Bruce Willis, isn't it? I don't know. I'm, no, I'm not he's a, a cat you burglar. He sings. He's not vanilla. Uh, no, no. I, I mean, pistachio, I, I, I love the things that he's doing. I love the whole. Me- I love Swing on a Star. I will watch that that sequence when they're robbing the auction house again and again and again. I, and I love the things that Bruce Willis is doing. But I just think that the much better character, the much more interesting character for me is Kit Kat. Over Richard E. Grant and Sandra Bernhardt? Or am I yeah, thinking of yeah. King of Comedy? No, no, you're absolutely right. And, and they are hilarious. When we, it's, it's Minerva, and I forget his name, uh, when he stands on the table and says, World domination! And he says, We're the villains. I mean, he's, it, it's a great scenery chewing performance. It's, it's, it's absolutely one of those performances where you're like, man, this guy is just going for it. He is going to chew every flat in the entire theater, and who cares? And she's going to do the same thing. They're just going for it. I love what they're doing. I love what everybody's doing in this movie. I absolutely love Hudson Hawk. Who directed think Hudson Hawk? It's, his name is Michael Lehman. He's the guy who did Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Wait. Heather's. Oh, okay. He did Heather. I'm thinking Michael. Lerner, I'm thinking Michael Lerner for a second. No, that's, that's and Forty okay. Days and Forty Nights. The Josh Hartnett celibacy. Movie. Ouch. Wow. Kelly, why are you? What What are you doing here? Sorry. He's just reaffirming the fact that Hudson Hawk doesn't work for some people. <laughs> Wait, I thought you liked it too, Tom. Uh, no, not really. No, oh. nobody likes Hudson, Hudson Hawk but us, Kelly. I liked a little bit about the guy says you made it go up my nose. <laughs> You better go on those. Yeah. Dingus, I feel like civilization is backing us on dread, though, and Tom's in a in a, in a growing minority. He was just so me. mean to Lena Headey. He didn't have to do that when he killed her. Growing minority. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Wan, what's the best movie where the side characters are more interesting than the main characters? My number one favorite side character superiority example from the motion picture industry in the 21st and 20th centuries is the motion picture film The Wizard of Oz, because I feel Dorothy is not as interesting as the characters she meets in Oz. I feel like if it had just been about her, it wouldn't have been good. But the scarecrow kind of perks things up. So I'm not one of those kids who grew up with Wizard of Oz, so I didn't know it very well. I, when I recently rewatched it, my whole takeaway from that was, man, Judy Garfield was hot. Garfield. Judy Garfield. She related to the president Garfield. Oh God. No, what's her name? Garland. Yeah, right. Don't pretend you're not uh, gay. Uh, wait, isn't she someone famous's daughter or mother? Yeah, Liza Minnelli. Yeah. Ew. She's it skips a generation. Oh my god, who's her dad? Wow. I know. Really? <laughs> That's what people say when they see Liza Minnelli in, in person. 
oh god, who was your I mean, I like, like cab- Cabaret is pretty cool, but I don't, I don't. Ugh. Okay. Uh, she's hideous. She's a hideous beast. Well, I mean, I like more associated with her funny bits on Arrested Development. These I associated with Arthur on the Rocks, the sequel, because she's wow. in that one a lot more. Wow. They have to get. They're trying to get employed in it. It's the comedy. In uh, I am on record as hating monkeys. So one of the things I approve of in Wizard of Oz is that the monkeys are like total bad guys and they're supposed to be scary because that totally works for me. And if witches. One, witches I'm okay with. But monkeys that fly, that's just – that's like roaches. That fly. Some people think that roaches are bad, but roaches that fly would be even worse. I'm that way about monkeys. Monkeys are bad. Monkeys that fly, terrifying. That would be awful. Wait, you're saying there's a really- – Go ahead. I didn't realize he was on the record as hating monkeys. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Maybe not on this podcast, but elsewhere, definitely. And now I'm on the record on this podcast. I don't like monkeys. I think you knew this about it. I don't like monkeys one little bit. I'm not a fan of monkeys. Some people think monkeys are cute. Name one movie, by the way, where the monkey isn't treacherous. Uh, Ready Pippi Longstocking. Aha, see? Yeah, yeah. Pippi Longstocking, Mr. Nelson. He's always helping her, and he eats stuff. It's like that's a book. That's a book, not a movie, and you don't have to have to actually have to look at a monkey when he's telling the also story. Also, Cornelius. See? King Kong, yeah. Well, King either, Kong. Okay, either treacherous or has to be put down because it's it gets under, out of hand. He's misunderstood. Yeah, we didn't – he didn't have to be put down. It he's not a really a monkey though, is he? I guess he is a monkey. King Kong even is – even that's weird. Like I'm more of a Godzilla guy. Why would you ever watch a King Kong movie when you watch a Godzilla movie, right? I'm forgetting okay. a really cool monkey. Oh, uh, Chimp Chim. That's not the one I was thinking, trying to think of, though. He's not cool. See, some people would say maybe Clyde from Every Which Way But Yeah. Like, nope. Nope. What do you mean? What do you mean no, like, no? That thing is creepy. That thing's creepy looking and weird. Clyde? Yeah. That whole, ooh, left turn Clyde. I'm like, ooh, gross. A creepy weird monkey sticking his arm out the window. He kissed Ruth Gordon. Oh! I don't know how about, the, how about that poor monkey in the fountain? Um. Well, I, you know, he's, he's serving science. What about Project he's, X? He's no different than the monkeys in 28 weeks later. 28 yes, weeks later, is. the way. See, that's why I didn't go that way. Because those monkeys cause the end of civilization. Yeah. yeah. Well. This, okay, here, here you go, Dingus. The monkey in the fountain, he didn't save Rachel Weiss. How do you think? What do you think about that? <laughs> How dare you? What about the fly? <laughs> hmm. Hey, do they make a fly monkey in that? I don't know. Oh. Is, there, is there a brindle monkey or something? No, he, <sighs> you didn't see he, the deleted scene? He turns inside out a monkey. Good. Oh, yeah, that one. Too. Oh. Yeah, he should. That he's furthering science by doing that. Yeah, actually, his his device fucks up a lot. Maybe he's a terrible scientist. Just I think Caesar Caesar's a good monkey, isn't he? No, well, he's more human than monkey. Anyway, Wizard of Oz has a cool lion in it. If you like them, and, um, <laughs> I actually thought about Wizard of Oz, Kelly, this week. I was thinking, Toto's awesome. We're the, we're the better ones, yeah. Doesn't uh, Toto screw everything up though? Isn't no. it? No. Well, yeah. No, like, he does Toto both. Is, if like, he hadn't pulled that curtain aside, everything would be fine. He screws right. things up and fixes things both. He's uh, like a Greek chorus. I don't know that he fixes. How does Toto fix anything? I could be. Well, he exposes the wizard because the wizard was going to fuck him over again. So he saves them from the wizard's shenanigans when he when he pulls the curtain. We want that to happen. Isn't the whole movie his fault because yeah. he does, like he bites the wrong person or something early in the movie? Oh, you're right. And they're gonna they're gonna have to kill him. Right, right. They're gonna have to put him down, and it's all about like that's what puts into motion the movie events or something. I don't know. But then she has to find him, so she she gets taken to Oz because of Toto, which means she kills a witch because of Toto. So Toto's a witch slayer. She upsets upsets the balance. 
balance of power in Oz, plunging yeah. it into chaos. It's basically Iraq. What we did in Iraq is what Dorothy does in Oz. Yeah, Bad move. We and took down Toto's Saddam Hussein. And Toto we- is Toto is the neoconservative administration of Wizard of Oz. Toto's no, the dog, the bounty dog. hunter. What? No, we're talking about dogs. <laughs> Let's move on. I'm going to give you guys my number one favorite movie hmm. where the a side character is better than the main character. And I tried to watch this. It is so long. So I ended up skipping through to go to the side character scenes. And I was elated to find in one of the scenes – this is my review of the movie in some. A character says this line in the movie, and it's so perfect. The character says – Mason, why are you such a stick in the mud? And the character says this, by the way, while she is literally poking a stick in mud. It's, a, it's, it's an inadvertently beautiful moment. Any guesses, by the way? Might be a little too obscure. This is a little bit from the moment of the movie Boyhood, where uh, uh, Lorelai Linkletter, who, who is the sister, uh, is hanging out with uh, – the actor's name is Elder Coltrane. Uh, and Richard Linkletter's whole conceit was we're going to shoot a movie over X years. I think something like 12 years. Starting with them as little kids, and then as they grow up, we're going to periodically have real actors come in and play their parents and their friends and whatnot. And then we're going to string together this movie. So over 12 years, you watch these kids grow up, and it's a beautiful thing. It's 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 almost magical. Like for those of us who haven't had the fortune of watching kids grow up, it's really amazing. Like. There's, there's something mirac- miraculous and wonderful and just it's almost magical about that. Um, so as, as a concept, I really like the movie. But unfortunately, when you go to this adorable little six-year-old and you cast him in your movie, it's kind of hard to tell what kind of things will happen over the course of him growing up. And unfortunately, L.R. Coltrane, the actor that he got, turns out to be kind of a dud. Um, mm-hmm. And part of why I feel that he's a dud is because Richard Linklater cast his own daughter to play the sister. Hmm. And she, on the other hand, just so lively and dynamic, and she's much more open and watchable. I mean, he's kind of sullen, and as he gets older, he's a kind of a quiet teenager, and there's, he's not that interesting to watch. And the movie is supposed to be about him, but he's constantly being upstaged inadvertently by this really lively actress who plays his sister. Um and the scenes that she she has these great there's a great scene where Ethan Hawke as their their sometime father comes in and is is taking him to, to dinner and they're having a meal and he's trying to do the uh, sex and pregnancy talk with them and it's a great bit he's super awkward about it she is completely embarrassed and cringing and there's great interplay between them as he's saying things about you know don't get pregnant be sure to use birth control. And every now and then, Linkletter has to cut over to L.R. Coltrane, who's probably about 16 at this point, and he's just a blank slate. Like, there's just yeah. nothing going on there. And, I mean, he, I'm, sh- I'm sure he's a great kid, and I'm sure his parents love him, and, but he's just not the kind of guy you would revolve a movie around. And a lot of people love Boyhood anyway, and that's fine, but I really just wish it had been about Lorelai Linkletter instead. Uh, from the moment she arrived by, – by the way, one of the early bits in the movie when she's the youngest, uh, she's – he's trying to sleep, and she's tormenting him by waking him up by uh, singing Oops, I Did It Again, a Britney Spears song. <laughs> and he's yelling her to shut up, and she's just just completely antagonizing him. And so he's yelling, and Patricia Arquette bursts in the room to tell him to shut up, and she immediately 
transitions to like crying, like like he's been picking on her. Uh, it's just a, a little, a beautiful little moment. Uh, so that's I, you know, for all the the sort of the magic that Link that I was able to capture in the process of making Boyhood, I kind of feel like you backed the wrong horse, so to speak. Um, well, God bless you for trying to watch that thing again. I mean, I like the movie a lot. Uh, but I could not. I, there's no way I could imagine watching it again. Yeah, it's it. it you know, it took 12 years to make, and it feels like it. You know? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So James Miller writes. Uh, here's his pick, and I'm going to have to fly through some of these because this. Uh, I I love that you guys responded to this topic, but I'm going to tear through some of these. Uh, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, Barry Pepper is infinitely more endearing and interesting than Tom Hanks or Matt Damon. And I love this pick, James Miller. There were a few. Movies where I wanted to point out someone who was better than someone really famous like Tom Hanks. But I think guys who like have that celebrity about them, they're kind of inherently interesting in a weird way, aren't they? Like they, they come with this interestingness baggage from their celebrity. Uh, but I do love that James Miller called out Barry Pepper over uh, Hanks or Matt Damon. Yeah. Uh, Sidney Lasik's portrayal as Cheswick in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Kelly Wan, which one is Cheswick? He's the um, man with glasses and kind of greasy hair, I think. So uh, James writes, Cheswick's agreeable bipolar demeanor is the standout for him. Yeah. Wow, I wish I knew which one he was. So Sidney Lassick is the actor. And boy, that's a tough one. More interesting, James Miller, than uh, Jack Nicholson or Brad Dourif. I mean, this is a subjective thing, you know. If you feel that way, awesome. But wow, that's that's quite a. Or is he case. just saying they're all more compelling than McMurphy? Oh, he's just, he's saying that. Uh, uh, only that in a movie where every side character is almost perfect, uh, Lassick is the real is the standout for him. He says. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, he says the trio of Inigo Montoya, Fezzik, and Vizzini from Princess Bride. Again, Carrie <laughs> Elway's and uh, Robin Wright Penn. Was she Penn at that point? No. Like there's yeah. there's. Yeah, they're just so like charming and quote unquote perfect. Uh, but yeah, uh, Mandy Patinkin, um, Andre the Giant, and Wally Shawn, those those guys will upstage any lead characters, won't they? Shaheen Ali says in Finding Nemo, uh, Dory the Sharks, the Sea Turtles, they all steal the show from Marlin. Pitch Perfect. Oh wait a minute, uh, we're gonna have some fighting words here, Shaheen Ali. He says in Pitch Perfect, he can't stop watching Fat Amy. Who steals every scene from Becca? Who here is on board with that? Who here's seen I'm that? Not, perfect. Uh, Did you you're say, talking about two people? Yeah. Yeah, who've seen it multiple times, Kelly Wan? What's the matter? Why are you laughing at that? Uh, is that movie for twelve-year-old girls? <sighs> Kelly Wan, you, Pitch you know perfect? nothing. Kelly Wan, you know nothing. What? That's not how you say that line. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure we've tried to tell you before that Pitch Perfect is for everyone. I still can't believe it. I think you're trolling and, me. And everyone is good in that, by the way. Like, I love Brittany Snow. Is that her name? Dingus? Oh, shoot. It's about That's singing, right? That movie's no. not my tempo. Let's put it that way. <laughs> All right. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, oh no. Shaheen Ali, another one. In Bridesmaids, he feels that Melissa mm. McCarthy... Uh, I thought of that one too. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's not a bad pick. Yeah. Uh, as much as I love that movie, she's a, that might be my favorite of her performances. But I, well, it's yeah. I mean, I would, it's her breakout. That, sure. But better than I mean, Kristen Wiig is just so endearing and human. And but is she the best? Relatable. Well, this is a really tough 
this is a tough category. Yeah, so fair enough, fair enough. I really had to, I mean, you saw me, like, struggling with it early in the week. I mean... It's subjective. It's, it's really subjective. It, well, and I, well most categories are, but it's, yeah, it's tough to... I mean, if you really like a movie, and, I, and what I want to do is push myself to, to pick movies I like, um, rather than just go the easy route of picking things I don't like. Or main characters um, that are good, but not as good still, as opposed to but just if shitty a movie main characters. Is, if a movie is really good, then one of the reasons you like it is because the main character is so interesting and such a good character. Uh, so that's why it's a really good, challenging topic. And that's why, too, like I did deliberately use something vague, like more interesting. So Shaheen Ali, that's fine. Uh, you, you thought Melissa McCarthy more interesting than Kristen Wiig. Fair enough. Uh, you know what? The only person getting pulled over for this topic, Kelly Wan, for uh, throwing away a perfectly good slot with Phantom Menace. <laughs> well, I'm just uh, trying to make a point. Yeah. Point made. Uh, and uh, here you go. You've had a citation given to you. You're the what? only one in this topic who's going to get one. I'm saying in advance, by the way, we've got about eight, nine more uh, listener submissions. I'm saying in advance, nobody's getting pulled over for this, Kelly Wand, but you have received a citation already. Hmm. Star Wars-related citations. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're sending you to the Phantom Zone. <sighs> Shaheen, Shaheen Ali is number one, Shaun of the Dead. Slacker Sean whines, but Uber Slacker Ed is the man of hilarious action. I presume he's talking about Simon Pegg versus Nick Frost, if hmm. I'm not mistaken. Hmm. No boy, I couldn't tell you. Chris Markinson uh, says he thinks that uh, Christoph Waltz in Inglorious Bastards was already chosen. <laughs> uh, who are, who are even the main? Well, here's the, who are even the main characters in Inglorious Bastards? Brad Pitt. I mean, and there's so much all. to go around Hitler. in that movie because that yeah, whole the whole ensemble. best scene of that movie, by the way, doesn't have any Brad Pitt in them. That tavern mm-hmm. bit with Michael yeah. Fassbinder, Brad Pitt's nowhere to be seen until to, to mop up for that. Um, yeah. It's but, hard to do that. I mean, it's like trying to pick Breakfast Club and saying who's the right, right, right. right. Yeah. Uh, but Christoph well. Waltz, I think, <laughs> pretty much in any movie, you could say that about him. Uh-huh. All right, Chris Markinson says number three. Uh, he suspects thing is he might have beat him to the punch on Quicksilver and X Men: Days of Future Past. Ooh, that's a great uh, one. Yeah, that is a great yeah. one, Chris Markinson. Uh, and Chris, Mark- you just won my. You just won the one that my son would have picked. Good yeah. job, Chris. That's my number three, by the way. Nope, I have you down, Kelly. One. Let me check the list here. Hold on. Uh, Tuscan Raider and Phantom Menace who shoot at the pod race. Yeah, that's uh, that guy's good too. He was kind of the Chris. dang Chris. So. Uh, just, if I would have opened this to my kid, I'm sure he would have said. Without even thinking, Quicksilver. Yeah, and Chris right calls out that awesome time in a bottle scene. But uh, yeah, it's partly Evan Peters. Evan Peters is just great in that bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, here's another one that Chris Markinson is doing. Dead gummit. I want to change one of my. I might have to. Uh, you know uh, what? Need for this is my number three. Here's pulled my number over. three. My number three. Quote: Hit girl. The 11 year old vigilante is the re- reason why people mm. should watch Kick Ass. Mm. Chloe Moritz great or Chloe Grace Moritz is a misprint there. Uh, is awesome in the role. That is a great one because nobody watches Kick Ass for Aaron Taylor Johnson. Oh, but she's the. Nah, I, I just. I, I, I thought I tried to go farther down the uh, the list. cast list, right? Now yeah. I would say she's like they're the B plot basically. It's. Yeah, I'm right. with you on that one, Chris. I might have to swap out my need. Yeah, I can't do that. Let me see. Well, no, I do have myself down. I'm looking at the list. Number three, Kick Ass. Huh? How did that happen? <laughs> hmm. uh, and Chris Markinson's number one. Whoa, Kelly Wan, I feel this one's going out to you. It's just oh. a voice. It's just a voice and a faceplate with a red eye. But Hal Nine Thousand is probably the biggest reason why I love Two Thousand and One so much. He even upstages Dave Bowman. What do you think of that, Kelly Wan? Mm, 
you're pensive. Well, I mean, is that not the main character, though? Because the monolith... Is... What does the monolith have to do with Hal? That's my Hal favorite. Is com- Hal is completely unrelated to the monolith, correct? Well, they're both black. Oh, Grant oh. Stewart, his number three pick... Uh, Dingus, actually, Dingus or Kelly, would either of you know, if I said this name, what movie this person is from? Jeffrey Goins. Jeffrey Goins. Yeah, I never, I would have guessed maybe Dingus might know this. That's Brad Pitt's name in 12 Monkeys. I had no idea. Oh. Uh, (laughs) Do you hate monkeys? How how much do you hate 12 Monkeys? Oh, 12 times as much as I hate any other movie. A dozen hates him. Grant Stewart says he totally steals the show. Having him in the movie for extended periods would have proved tedious. That's a good point. In some of these characters, like small doses are partly why they work. Uh, yeah. uh, oh, here's another one. Although, how do you guys feel about Anton Sugar as a side character mm, in, in No, no I, I don't want to. I don't want to choose antagonists or love interests. I don't Just, think those are side characters. But Brolin. Also, yeah. Well, also Anton Sugar is kind of like a, he's like a, a foil. Like he's one of the two polar opposites of what's going on in the movie in a way. He's like the force of nature in a way. Yeah, he's driving the movie. I mean... The villain, basically. I mean, when you... When you yeah, but, and I didn't... I really tried to stay away from that. I tried to pick somebody who would be in the sidecar. You know, somebody who would be... Not riding bitch, but somebody who would be, like, way down the... Yeah. Because thing is, do you mind riding bitch? <laughs> That's what someone says to Shigur, and the guy gets killed for it. Okay. Uh, so uh, let's see. By the way, again, no one's getting pulled over. Only Kelly Wand. Uh, That's cool. I needed argu- to smoke by the roadside anyway. Uh, he says he's arguably a more interesting character than Llewellyn Moss. Uh, Javier Bardem does a great job as a, as a force of nature. Exactly, Grant Stewart. Uh, surely the most terrifying character ever to rock a Neil Diamond haircut. Wow. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to unsee that, Grant. Thanks a lot. Yeah, well done. But I, uh, I think you can pick a variety of of villains who are more interesting than the hero. That's kind of a problem in a lot of like uh, yeah. traditional I mean, like, villain things. Yeah. Let's let's go with Wrath of Khan. For, I mean, come let's on. Let's go with Dark Knight. Wait a minute. What? What are you saying? Please, there's no one who would say he, uh, Heath Ledger just. Blo- you even forget uh, Christian Bale is in Dark Knight. I do at least. Hmm. Grant Stewart's number one, the worst defender for a movie, not appreciating what a side character is bringing. Django Unchained with Christoph Waltz. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Paul Weimer. Uh, number three, Princess Bride. Uh, let's see. Plenty of side characters better. One of them is the Wesley reviving Miracle Max played by Billy Crystal. Ew. If there's one thing worse than monkeys, it's Billy Crystal. Uh, wow. He's Paul lost Weimer, his smile right? since he said that. Uh, I like this one. I, I need to see this movie. I've never seen it, but I keep hearing things about it that make me think I have to see it. Uh, he says The Phantom, starring Billy Zane and Christy Swanson, they're both bland, but Sayla, played by Catherine Zeta-Jones, is not bland. Whoa. In what movie? Uh, she's a dangerous airship pirate in The Phantom. Billy Zane as The Phantom. Catherine Zeta-Jones is in The Phantom? Now I suddenly want to see this. Yeah, movie. me too. I do too. Good Kelly Wan, she is a dangerous airship pirate. Oh my god, sounds hot. Yeah. Uh, in Shakespeare in Love, both Joseph Fiennes and Gwyneth Paltrow as Shakespeare and Viola pale comparison to the absolutely magnificent Queen Elizabeth, played by Dame Judi Dench. All right, fair enough. Paul Weimer, though, uh, Paul is so cute, but I disagree. Damn. I'm a side character on the QT3 podcast, but I'm not way better than any of you. Paul Weimer, you are what you are, and we love it. Yeah. Robert Perry Cruz uh, admits he's only been seeing kid movies lately, and that maybe has colored his list. 
Oh, Robert Perry Cruz, you went and saw Ratchet and Clank the movie? Mm. Ew. Wow. That exists. Yep. Uh, and he says Clank, uh, he says he's more conv- he'd like it more than he thought. Wait, I'm convinced I'd like it more than I did. Uh, he says the movie's the equivalent of a shrug. And one of its biggest failings, and by the way, this is a failing in a lot of the games, not enough Clank. <laughs> uh, oh, here we go. Yeah, he has been seeing kid movies. Baloo from Jungle Book. <laughs> if I told you I'd seen a movie with a con artist bear who makes a living convincing animals to get him honey, I assume the bear would be the star. Nope, Baloo's a secondary character. Hmm. Uh, Wait, see. from which which one? Well, he says... Uh, he says later. Though the original 60s version has a neat beatnik thing going and a killer song. Oh, uh, Bill Murray's recent performance in the Jean Favreau movie reminded him of a cuddlier version of his Peter Venkman from Ghostbusters. Oh, wow. Kind of makes me want to see Jungle Book. Mm. Because the word cuddly is in it? <sighs> well, it's, an interesting, it's really an interesting pick, actually. Huh. All right, what do you guys think of this? Because, again, this is like uh, Grant Stewart picking Billy Crystal. Or wait, was that? No, that was Paul Weimer. Robert Perry Cruz says, The Genie from Aladdin. <laughs> Ron Williams, the rich man's Billy Crystal. Got quite enough of him. Too soon. Uh, and he says <laughs> that's uh, main character, though, isn't it? I know it's called Aladdin, but come on. Yeah, the movie's not called. Genie. Yeah, all right. But but there's a significant amount of people who think when you talk about Aladdin, then it means the genie. Frankenstein. <laughs> That never occurred to me. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is. It's like a Frankenstein thing. Yep. TJ Keller, uh, you are very near and dear to my heart with this pick. Um, from Kill Bill, Volume 1, Gugu Yubari steals the movie uh-huh. from me. Yeah. Gugu Yubari, not Gugu. Gugu Yubari. That's, What's going on? That's Lucy Liu, right? Uh... No. Oh, my God. It's not. It's, a, it's the other Asian cute chick. But, yeah, she is awesome. Yeah. Uh, shoot, what was she in? Uh, not by Lynn. Dad Gummit. When do you guys Google who played Gogo Yubari? Because TJ Keller didn't mention it. I thought it. that was the actress's name. No, wasn't it the girl who was in that stupid uh, giant robot piloting movie by Guillermo del Toro? Del Toro? Be more specific. Oh, Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim movie? Yeah, I can't Google things right now, so I don't I know. I think it was the girl in that. Kelly Wand, look up if. Gogo Yubari is the girl from Pacific Rim. At any rate, the the real pick from Kill Bill is uh, Lucy Liu. I feel, but I'm I'm down. I'm on board. T.J. Keller with Gogo Yubari. Arthur G- Arthur Giovanginelli. Well, I'm screwing up names. Rinko Kakuchi. Is that who you're talking about? Oh, oh, I love that name. Now she was yeah. so she. It was Bay Lynn. She's in or, Babel. She in, she's in yeah, she was in Babel. Wasn't yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a deaf girl. I'll the, say she was in Babel. You know what I'm saying? Oh, God. Uh, yeah, there's... Oh, yeah. Uh, tell you maybe you could do a few lines uh, from her in uh, Kill Bill Volume 1 later on on the podcast. Renko Kikuchi? Yeah, we haven't gotten enough Bay Lin lately, so... You mean Bay Ling? Bay Ling, <laughs> shut up. That's what you were just, trying to say all that time? Justin Lin, ben, was, shut up, Kelly. Kelly, I'm trying to read the listener submissions. Uh, God, we are so deep right now. Arthur Giovanginelli, speaking of deep, Transformers Dark of the Moon. Shia LaBeouf is hard to watch. But the Transformers are more interesting. Uh, Optimus Prime. That's oh. a little Phantom menace there. 
Uh, whatever. Nope, pulled over. I'm giving him, by the way, a commendation based on his other two picks as well. Kelly Wand, Arthur Giovanginelli's number Bay two Lynn. pick. I like this. Shut up. <laughs> I like this one. <laughs> Scott Pilgrim versus the World. The movie is embarrassingly rich with awesome side characters that steal the movie from Scott Pilgrim. That's good, yeah. Uh, the one that stands out for him? Oh, here we go. This is sweet. Brie Larson. Aw. We love Brie Larson. Uh-huh. And he's going to pick Superman. Uh, Brandon Ruth is the vegetarian police is pretty uh, is a standout as well. He's no Brie Larson though, Dingus. Come on. He was true. Superman though. Wait a minute, Dingus. Do you have to reveal to us another man crush that you have? Nope. Okay. And then Arthur's number one is uh, Hit Girl and Kick Ass. Absolutely. Brian Kent. Brian, I lo- okay. He writes a lot about arachnophobia. <laughs> what? A couple of paragraphs here about arachnophobia. Poor Jeff Daniels getting racked uh, again. I guess so. Big in uh, the Ben Benelux countries. So John Goodman shows up and does the weird thing of starting a sentence loud and then finishing it under his breath, never actually looking at the person he's talking to, and inserting awkward side comments into the middle of sentences. That makes me want to watch it. Uh, Hmm. And then he says an aside, which may or may not be worth mentioning, but I've come this far. Uh, Goodman gets second billing to Jeff Daniels, but Goodman has less than 15 minutes of screen time Hmm. in arachnophobia. That's weird. Uh, let's see, Captain America, First Avenger. Mm. Mm, I, I, well, I, I mean, I really liked I, uh, Chris Who's Evans. the character? Okay, well, here we go. Kelly Wan, you might approve of this one. Uh, Brian Kent says, Chris Evans is hot and all, but I really <laughs> wanted to see more of Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter. Mm, that's kind of violating Dingus's no love interest is the... Well, that's just Dingus' his own personal approach, which I really well, like. But is that a side character? Well, he's also Brian. No, it's, it's also it's Tom's topic. I mean, he can. Uh, I just went with what I was doing. Yeah, no, I, but I thought that was. Fair. You know what, Kelly Wand? You are going to have some company in jail here in just a minute. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Brian Kent does point out that. So hang on to the soap. His problem. <laughs> Kelly Wand. <laughs> Brian Kent says his problem. With with that is that uh, uh, Haley Atwell got written out of the rest of the series because of the nature of what happened, but luckily she got her own TV series. Mm, so much I could say right now. All right, here's his third pick, by the way. Quint from Jaws. Oh, good Wait man. a minute. Yep, he's in jail. Brian Kent, you have the right to remain silent and never bring that up again. <laughs> you go in the water. Side character, how dare he? Well, he is the <laughs> second. Chris of... Elliott, you know? Nick Smith says, uh, let's see, he can't, well, so this is uh, regarding the previous bits of the podcast. And by the way, we encourage folks to write in about what movie we're, we're seeing, but you have to send us a separate email uh, if you want to say something oh, about the movie. So yeah, Nick, please do. And yeah. Nick, Nick didn't really go into it. Uh, he just says he lost interest halfway through. Uh, he's looking forward to hearing us talk about it. The email? Mike, well, he put in his three by three email. Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah, I don't look. At, you know, I'm the one who reads like the listener submissions about things that are about the movie that we're talking about. But I'm assiduous about not looking at the three by three submissions. Right, and so, we should probably announce that more clearly, by the way, as well. Yeah. Uh, So uh, I do want to point this out because uh, Nick is with me in in Markinson here. My definitive high point was the incredibly haunting version of SOS by Portishead. All right. All right, Nick's – Portishead, 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 Portishead. Whoa, look at this, you guys. Speaking of Rinko Kikuchi, Pacific Rim, Mako Mori played by Rinko Kikuchi. 
All right. Hmm. This movie was mostly disappointing, but I was engaged whenever Miss Kikuchi was on screen. She looked great, had a backstory I wanted to know more about, and would have made a much better lead than Charlie Hunnam. Amen, Nick Smith. Mm-hmm. Wait, I can hear you guys say the words Rinko Kikuchi over and over again. I love that. I love the way that sounds. It scans so beautifully. Just how from us. About, how do you feel about us saying uh, Bay Ling? I, I, that doesn't do anything for me because all I hear about it, all I hear is Kelly's weird white man thing. But Rinko Kikuchi, <laughs> it, it has such a, it scans so beautifully. Rinko yeah. Here's another one that you will, and maybe your son will like, Dingus. Uh, Angel in X Men Last Stand, played by Ben Foster. Oh, well done. I, so I, when I was coming up with it, there were a bunch of Ben Fosters I could come up with. Like Ben Foster, even in like what's that Vampire Mechanic? In the, well, okay. Oh, Mechanic, absolutely. What's the Vampires in the Snow movie though, Kelly Wand? Uh, 40, oh, Thirty Days a Night. Right, right, right. Because he's the he's the Renfield who shows up early on in that. Oh, yeah. Like Ben Foster. Oh, Pandorum. Although, uh, uh, he's an alpha dog. I love Thirty Days a Night, but I thought about Mechanic, but he's he's just too prominent. So, thing is, to be perfectly honest, oh, oh my God, Jason Statham! I was thinking, I can't even remember who the lead is in Mechanic, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Although I have to say, I, I just I don't scoop, scoop anyone. Uh, Jason Statham in Spy was one of them that I considered. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, Tom. That's yeah. very funny. Uh, Nick Smith. Uh, True Romance. Okay, well, let's find out. Mm. Uh, oh, oh, here we go. The Mobster played by James Gandolfini. Uh, mm. It's one of my favorite movies to rewatch, though it's far from perfect. Uh, it has several great scenes. In one of them, the broken-down hitman Virgil comes to a motel room looking for his boss's drugs, has an encounter with Alabama played by Arquette. He's burying the movie, but he steals the one scene where he talks about his life and the people he's killed. You guys know what else uh, James Gandolfini would be a good pick for for this topic. Uh, killing Them Softly. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah As the yeah. sort of the, the yeah. Maybe think of the Mexican actually, but I but that he's more of a main character. What I thought about early this week when I was thinking about True Romance was the Brad Pitt moment, but but oh, right. just, yeah. But that's because I, I think Brad Pitt's funny. It's not because his character is right. really interesting. There's a lot of good supporters in that one. Yeah, but but I really did think about True Romance, but I didn't even. Touch on the James Gandolfini thing, and that's a that's a pretty good pick. Honey well, Bear. Romance, I mean, even though like Christian Slater's awesome, he's just kind of it's such a like rogues gallery movie where you've got this character moving through a story where everybody's like super interesting and weird and yeah. dynamic and crazy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, it's your son, fuckhead that he is. <laughs> Chris Webb writes. Uh, Oh, sorry about this. Chris Webb says when he when he's thinking about it, he got hung up on my phrasing of "way better," uh, which you know what? That's no, it, was, it was way way better. It was two ways. Yeah. Again, it wasn't just interesting. It was way way better. If that nudges you in a particular direction, all all the more it's even better. So let's see what Chris Webb did with this then. What? Oh God! Ew. Chris Webb. You guys are going to have no idea about this one, but I'm vaguely remembering this. Uh, number three, the creepy Aunt Martha in the 1983 movie Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> wow. Goofy mannerisms, ridiculous makeup, create a very memorable character in a charming but otherwise formulaic slasher movie. That's a- Why did uh, he say that name? Ah, uh, good. Dingus. Aunt Martha. Very good, Dingus. Yeah. Uh, Chris Webb's number two pick. I considered an all Parker Posey list. 
It's good. It's good. Uh, instead, for his, he's picking her as the number two in uh, Dazed and Confused with the quote, wipe that face off your head, bitch. I don't know what that means. That's got to be uh, Dazed and Confused, right? No, no, that is. That's what he says. It's from Dazed and Confused. I don't know that quote from it, though. Uh, and then his number one pick is Parker Posey in Scream 3. <laughs> she, saves, she saves the series from completely running out of steam in this third movie. What about Superman? Uh, I don't remember this. Do you guys remember this? Runner-up goes to the baby using a cell phone at the end of While We're Young. The Noah Baumbach thing? A baby using a oh, cell phone? Boy, I don't remember anything about that. Uh, and Kelly Wan, this is a, a shout-out to you. Oh, he writes, and the scat man in Zapped. Aw. All right, runners up from you, gentlemen. I have a couple. Mm, Willie Ames and Zapped. Not, nope, main character. I hope you're having fun in jail with Brian Kent for picking uh, Jaws. You guys have a lot to talk about. Well, Jaws 2, <laughs> that shark, was better than Dennis Quaid. I was, I was really tempted to bring up Wonder Woman in uh, BBS. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I really tried to go farther down the list. Take Affleck off the list. Um, the I, I just think that she's so much more interesting than either of those guys that that Kelly's tagline for that movie. Who? <laughs> what, what was your tagline? Which one's more, more boring? boring. <laughs> 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 boring. Um, I think that there, there, there's almost nothing more perfect than the fact that that I was far more interested in when is she going to show up? What's she going to do? I loved, I, I loved her in that movie so much. I was thinking again along the lines of like bad movies. It's fairly. Some like it's fairly. This kind of a it's easy in a bad movie to to pick this out because a lot of times it's a, a central problem with the movie. But I was thinking of J- uh, Jesse Plemons and Rory Cochran in Black Mass. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. wow, that's a really good one. I, yeah. I actually really like that because they're both so watchable and their characters' backgrounds like they're they're just in such odd places in the situation. Uh, I just wish the movie had been more about them. Uh, Dingus, I don't think saw Dingus. You didn't see Gone Girl, right? Because I waved you off of it. Uh. No, no. I love Kim Dickens as the detective in that. I don't. I don't care about uh, Gone Girl. I don't. I don't like Ben Affleck in it. Who's the girl? Uh, shoot, what's her name? I should know her name. Uh, fuck. Not That's Emily not her Blunt. Name. Um, uh, <laughs> she's an Emily. Isn't she an Emily one? I don't think Emily? so. Is she an Anne? Shit. I know, right, Kelly Wand? Shit. She was super good in it, and also uh, Barney Stinson was good in it. Barney Simpson? What are you talking about? Or Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, no, no. He was fine, right. But, oh, Rosamund Pike. Good Lord. How were yeah. we ever gonna, We weren't even close. No, I didn't care. She was okay. Uh, but I just thought Kim Dickens was great in what would normally be like the throwaway part as a detective. I like mm. choosing. I like Gone Girl. Gone Girl. Uh, you guys didn't see Goosebumps, but Goosebumps <laughs> is a, a children. <laughs> Shut up. Goosebumps is a children's like uh, horror movie. It's pitch Jack perfect Black. for kids. Jack Black is... Oh, God. No way, Kelly. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Jack Black is terribly annoying, not only as Jack Black, but as the voice of the the villain, basically. They had to put him in it twice. Um, the, ki- the kids are like non-entities, whatever. They just get some pretty young kids to be the leads. They even managed to cast Amy Ryan and do nothing interesting with her as the uh-huh. mom. But what they do, there's this wonderful actress that I know from Eastbound and Down. We know her from uh, mm. 21 Jump Street or 22 Jump Street. Her name is Jillian Bell. Mm. Uh, which was she oh. in twenty one or twenty two Jump Street? I forget which one. Twenty two. Yeah, I think no, she's no, the no. villain. One. She's the one where. Okay, go ahead. No, I think she was in twenty two, wasn't she? She's the villain. Like she, she has the fight okay. scene 
with uh, with Jonah Hill, but I don't remember which one. I think that was. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we love Jillian. Got a lady villain. Yeah, but we love Jillian Bell, and they do this thing in Goosebumps where they're trying to make her the annoying aunt, and it doesn't work because she is so funny, and all the characters are supposed to be like, "Oh God, I don't want to hang around her. Get her away." And no, the movie works completely opposite. You're like, "She's hilarious. Keep her there. Have, have more with her." And like they make a joke about how no one would ever want to date her, uh, but she's hilarious in, in Goosebumps. Oh, I thought of a good one. Right. Yeah, what, what's another one? This is my new number three. Nope, let's see. Let me check the nope. list. I have you down for Phantom Menace, the Tuscan Raider that shoots at the pod racers. <laughs> well, I huh. think of good ones when we start talking about it. Until then, <laughs> I don't really care. Well, see, that's easy. Like, when you get to doing a 3x3 three three and you go down rabbit holes, go, oh, yeah. it's super easy to find a good pick. The challenge, Kelly Wand, is showing up with a good pick. <laughs> Squash! <laughs> <laughs> No offense, <laughs> if I may be so bold. But my pick is uh, Sisters. With Wait a Maya, minute. Maya... Oh, not the Brian De Palma one. No, I wish. Uh, no, Maya Wait Rudolph. Who's, who's better in Sisters? Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph's character. Oh, you know what? That's oh, a good yeah. pick, Kelly Wan. She's yeah. super funny, and her character's hilarious and does a lot of – remember she watches Game of Thrones season one? Right, and they do that thing right. with Jill right. and Bell and Goosebumps where they, they want – like she's supposed to be the annoying one. Yeah, yeah. Like, but she did she really wants to go to the to the party, even though she's supposed to be too bitchy for it. And, but she's like dancing by herself out on the porch. Remember, like oh, ang- angrily dancing. Ah, yeah, she does so really much. The body yeah. language. See, imagine Kelly Sisters. wanted to showed up with that from the get go. That's my real. I was kidding before. <laughs> so if we're not allowed to tell jokes on the podcast, I guess I'll stop joking. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're saying. That's the new All right, rule. Biggest any runners up for you? Um, you know, I. Toyed with the idea of Sam from I Am Legend, but I think Sam is a lead character. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I would pick you. that. Yeah, but by I, your criteria, absolutely, you got to put that dog in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I would. I was playing with this whole idea of like uh, choosing animals that were more interesting than the humans in the movies, um, but I just dropped that. Well, when, like, when, like, well, do you have an example? Well, Sam. I mean, oh, the, right, right. I mean, I was thinking about how great Sam is in that movie, but I thought that. You know, Sam is is a lead character. I can't really choose Sam as is more interesting than the main characters because I think that she's one of the main characters. I was hoping um, you weren't going like towards the witch in any shape, way, shape, or form. No, 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 no. Great animals, but also great, interesting lead main characters. character. The other thing was was Rogue Nation because Rebecca Ferguson's character is so interesting. Oh, dingus! Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, your own criteria. You ruled out a great one. That is a great right. one. Yeah. yeah. Although she's not a love interest, they're just buddies. No, but she's—I think—I just think she's too much. She's too, too close to being a lead. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's a female lead. Yeah, she's it's true. It's about her. It's still a great pick, though. Yeah. Also, yeah, that makes she's you far more interesting than anybody else in the movie. I wonder if that pick would hold up, Dingus, with the Hercules movie that she's in. Because isn't she? She's in that Dwayne Johnson Hercules. Actually, that's another one, by the way. Like, uh, oh, who's the cocksucker guy from Deadwood? Um, Ian McShane. Ian McShane, like in that Hercules movie, for instance. And I know that Rebecca Ferguson is in the Hercules movie. Right, Who's she right, in right. it? Oh, and there's that awesome – she's like the – it's oh, a straight character. She's not one of the band. She's like the uh, – well, he shows up to like save her son or some sort right, of thing. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And there's that awesome like Ingrid Bergman, Bergmall, whatever that Swedish chick is who's in his band. Like all those side characters. I, I prefer think. the Kellen Lutz Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> Here I am, paddling water. Uh, we love Kellen Lutz swimming mm-hmm. in a pond. Yeah. <laughs> you guys still haven't seen his uh, William Shatner, have you, in uh, in that, that movie about the Milgram experiments? 
No. no. Right. And I didn't see Expendables 3 either. Kellen Lutz does a great Shatner. Really? Yeah. He's playing Shatner? Yeah, I told you guys about this. So there's a uh, yeah, there's a bit where uh, apparently Professor James Milgram did a TV show and Shatner was in it. So it's a biopic where Peter Sarsgaard plays him. Uh, there are scenes where Kellen Lutz as William Shatner is like hanging out with him. Uh, oh, all right, I'll watch it. I love that so much. Is he wet? Because, what? No, he does not dog paddle. You do not get to see his swimming prowess. Oh, boy. Sorry right. I asked. Thing is, what is next week's 3x3, three three and uh, how can the listeners participate? All right, so uh, there's a bunch of moments in this week's movie, High Rise, uh, that relate to exercise, um, and, and, and including this weird moment where a character has to exercise on a, um, a supermarket um, treadmill, you might say. Uh, so the, these would be your three favorite moments of exercise in movies. Oh, I've already got a couple. Nice, Dingus. Hmm. All right, I'm sure there's some of the listeners also going, oh, I've got some great picks. What should they do, Dingus? Well, first of all, we've had things that are like sports events. You know, Kelly had one that was like your the favorite sports event ever in movie history. That's not what this is. This is really just exercise. Exercise. Don't right. use don't use sports things. Don't use uh, you know a bunch of guys playing basketball on a basketball court. You know in a, in a competitive thing. Use exercise. Really concentrate on exercise. On on characters doing exercise. What so, about exorcisms? Uh, I didn't say exorcise. I said exercise. Please listen uh, to my vowels. Sorry, accents too thick. I, I can't, can't help you. And Kelly Wan, just because an I know they don't have vowels in German. Uh, and Kelly Wan, just because an activity inadvertently causes you to exercise while you're doing it, it doesn't count. I'm sure that exorcisms are great for cardio. That doesn't count as exercise. Right. But masturbation. So, if you want to contribute to this week's topic of exercising. <laughs> Please send in your picks to 3x3atquarter3.com. That's 3x3atquarter3.com. And if you want to see, of course, we're seeing next week Captain America first. Or no. Okay, wait. Captain Ooh. America <laughs> I'm just so uninterested in seeing this thing. I have to what? Know. Captain America. Are yeah. you uninterested or disinterested? Uh, I'm both, actually. No. Wow. Go see I, it. And I can't wait. Oh, Tom, is it, is how dare you? Wait, is it Captain America Civil War or mm-hmm. Civil War Captain? What is it? Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Captain America Civil War. All right, whatever. Uh, so if you see Captain America Civil War and you want to send us comments about it, which we encourage, also send those to 3x3 at quarter3.com. But put them in a separate email so we know to read your comments and bring up what you say in the course of discussing the movie before we get to the 3x3. We don't want your comments lost like what accidentally happened to Nick's comments about uh, high rise. So send those in. See that. Uh, join us next w- next week for a discussion of Captain America: Civil War and exercise. Hmm. I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian M- Mil- Mil- Milstein. It's Christian Morosky. And we had Kelly Wand. Thank God this shit's erstwhile. <laughs> <laughs> La, la, la. La, la. I don't know whether you can just go with the ab. The ABBA version is pretty good, right? La, 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 la. I 
Hey, Dingus, what if Mowgli was an adverb? Why delve? I I swore an oath to keep it secret. This lie has kept Apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the Queen's heart was destroyed, you'd lose your immortality or die. That wasn't your choice to make! Well... Yeah. Touche. That's what I would have said, Noah. You really are too much, Wand. Hmm. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Warm Bodies. That was one of my other runners, is that? Oh, right. Uh, uh, Charlene yeah. or Tilton. I don't know. Shoot. Charlotte. Charlene Tilton was on Dallas. But, uh... <laughs> Char- uh, Tipton. Something Tipton. Charlotte mm. Tipton, right? Peggy. I'm going to look it up, and you guys are going to go, oh, yeah, Tom, you were right. That was very close. Hold on. Warm bodies. Name is Nicholas Holt. There. Uh, Anna Lee Tipton. Right. Mm. Yeah, she's awesome. Oh, Anna Lee, yeah. I loved her. Poe really liked her. Oh, my God. Look at that picture. Wow. Mm. Of course we liked her. Oh. Uh, huh. All right, listen. I have to go watch Game of Thrones and go to oh, work. Oh, she's in Viral. She's in the Catfish Guy's next movie, Kelly Wand. What do you think of that? Oh, wait. <laughs> Viral? Is it a VHS ripoff? Knockoff? No, I'm not sure what it is. I don't want to know, but it's just their next movie. It's got some buzz going, uh, and Annalie Tipton is in it. I hope it's as scary as Ghost Dimension. (laughs) They didn't do that, did they? I hope they wrap up all the loose ends, like they told us they were going to do in Ghost Dimension. Game of Thrones is happening tonight? 